Warning, the following podcast is not known for staying on topic in any way, shape, or form. The podcasters may talk about bears, scorpions, deadly cats, puppies trapped in holes, Star Trek, Yellowstone erupting, and Battlestar Galactica more than the fic they are supposed to be discussing. Holy crap! This is so exciting! For Thursday, August 14th, 2008, this is episode 55 of Potter Fic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never, ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Vitrificus Totalis. So Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I want to say that. Chief, like, please, I can't. Don't. You have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love. I'm not going to say. Love I'm not scene. made of stone. I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? After picture, he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> he's having a little conversation with his friend. Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I don't think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasped it I out. Th- I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. He's beating his chest. He's ravaging her. Not, no, he's, he's not. not. Yes. He's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, 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 we don't think that. You think that. Do you own a pig? No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. Nate, I love him, oh. and he's good, and we're gonna find out he's good, and-, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical to me. <laughs> Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car! <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth, but I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. What happens is as people get older, their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I married. This is like the Manhattan Project. The man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay, the two people. Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that. Moses the guy that was lost in the desert for like 40 years? That just got inspired confidence and crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fandom to have wank. Swear to God, Ryan, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? 
Don't take offense to this, guys, but you guys are the most dysfunctional group of people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Butterfick Weekly. Hola. Excellent. Good evening, everybody. Hi. Hey, guys. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. All right, now, explain to me why Jen finds women's butts no, sexy. No, no, we're not going to talk about <laughs> Okay. Search. All right, now, I will explain the context just so we can put this out here. Right. Um, so, pretty much, uh, Jen and I are, were playing World of Warcraft briefly before we started this. and uh, really worked hard at work. Yes. Oh, sounds like it. And we were talking, because I, I have a level 70 human paladin male, and my mage character, because I just got sick and tired of looking at a guy's butt the entire time. It's like, I'll change, because I like the human racial stats you guys, I mean, you think you right. get. So I decided to make a female. And so I said, yeah, not so much a nicer look at a female's butt instead of a guy's butt. And then Chen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. Cause Why guys can't you record this? I can use it on the podcast <laughs> intros. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Well, I was just making the point that men's bodies are just not as attractive as women. Oh, go to hell. And, <laughs> and I All said, right, well, I, I think men's faces are really attractive, but girls aren't like, oh, wow, look at that guy's butt. <laughs> you know? Like, because most guys don't even wear their pants on their butt anymore. Like, it's just pointless. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. <laughs> yes. Oh, please, God, let me be recording right now. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Indeed true. Women are beautiful. They are beautiful. Can I just tell you, uh, she can't join us tonight. She has to work. I'm talking to her, and I'm like, I wonder if she didn't do the reading, and this is her excuse. I'm like, she... She said she did. I'm like, oh, Chi, what did you think of the chapters? They were really good. I'm like, what was your favorite? She probably did. I'm like, what was your favorite part? And she said the swing dancing. I'm like, okay, I already mentioned that in the forum. What was your... And I was trying to, like, make up a scene that never happened to see what her response to it was. (laughs) I was like, giving her 20 questions. Mm -hmm. So you you think she... Of course she did. She she did the reading. All right, let me put my notes up here. I'm sorry, Jen, did you say it was through chapter 10? I I thought it was through chapter 9. It's through chapter 9. Okay, she good. read through 10. I'm so excited to be doing this POU. I'm the P-O-U. only girl here. Ooh, I like that too. You are the I think you're, you're excited. And you know what's even better, Jen? <laughs> what? Another you're one? On- you're the no. only non-Hufflepuff. You're in with a bunch of Hufflepuff guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three guys, not There's to mention three funny. Hufflepuff guys. <laughs> We're going to dominate this discussion. Yes, dominate, indeed. Yes, by all dominate by hugging it? I don't know. Well, I haven't really I been on that be, whole um, I tried to get in all the houses, and apparently that just is not acceptable. Request denied. All right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, she wanted to be in, like, every single house. I'm like, you don't even go in the Ravenglaw common room. Why should I, I know. <laughs> Jen, this is your head of house. Get to the common room. Now. All right. I honestly think you should be a Gryffindor, but that's just me. You think I should be a what? A Gryffindor. Gryffindor. These are my notes for the chapters. Y'all think I'm stupid. No, it has nothing to... <laughs> so are, you, are you calling Hermione Granger stupid? Uh, basically. Okay, yeah, I'll agree with that. I thought she did a bang-up job in these chapters. All right, let me just... At least she's hot and there's sex. I mean, it's all there. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, are we talking about canon here? I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember any hardcore Hermione sex that was hot in the canon. Wait, they were behind 
behind the curtain for a few minutes. They were, you're right. They were in the uh, what is, uh, the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, that's right. Somebody needs to write an outtake about that scene. Yeah, I'm looking through I'm my notes. I'm pretty sure that's happened. Right. I'm reading your uh, your notes here, and I like the one about Gerald's a nice game. If you like to get picked last for football. I could, no, I got a flat tire. I laughed so hard, I swerved. I got a flat tire. It cost me $113. I had to walk to work. I, I, I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. I'm scrolling down because I've read all these before. Yeah, so have I. Their friendship. <laughs> I'm so glad, Ryan, that you had the same comment that I did. <laughs> what? Three, Three hours, hours later? Really? <laughs> I was like, wow. POU jumps the shark. Should have been more like That's minutes really later, impressive. But yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, may, uh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> Fighting tongue. I was just going to say, I was like, wow, Harry's really good because, spoiler, but I... He's in shape. He's in shape. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But, okay. My favorite is Hermione wants to wrap Harry in a blanket and feed him soup. Kinky. (laughs) I'm glad you found that one. I was like, I want to do that sometimes. I can already shoot down one of your questions, 150th anniversary of Hogwarts. Time that this is written, we didn't know how old Hogwarts was. Okay. So, hence why... The 150th anniversary of Hogwarts. When, when was that established? That. I think that was established. Obviously, it definitely had to have been established after uh, Goblet of Fire. I think. I think it really didn't come down. I mean, I'm not exactly. It's half led prince, right? Because they're doing the history of the founders and blah blah blah. Yeah. Or it could have been was... set in Chamber of Secrets. It could have been Chamber. I mean, it could have been Chamber of Secrets. I was thinking it might have been uh, the Sorting Hat song in one of the years. Uh, that sounds like something he would have said. Yeah, that does. I think it was the, uh, oh, I want to say, wasn't it the Goblet of Fire sorting hat song? Hmm. I don't know. I don't have my copy of Goblet here. Heather here, your friendly editor. Just wanted to let you know that it, it was in the um, Goblet of Fire sorting hat song, yes, uh, but it was also in Chamber of Secrets, uh, Chapter 9. Professor Binns says, you all know, of course, that Hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago. The precise date is uncertain. So... It was in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, that's all. Bye. Ryan, you're so annoyed. Where? You're like, this annoys me. This annoys me. I can't remember what I meant by, this is Harry, I'm not supposed to be thinking about how he smells. Oh, Hermione, okay. Oh, yes. I liked that, but she notices how he smells, and I was like, ooh, baby. The, the thing I loved is when Hedwig landed on Harry's shoulder to tell them about the attacks. It's like a white blob appearing on his shoulder, like, oh my god, a bird shit on him, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Orgasms for five minutes just in response. I think they're having sex. <laughs> oh, I love that her first time was the guy named Horace. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh, you didn't pay much attention. What? It wasn't Horace. I was wrong. Her, her, yeah, but was wrong. She, yeah, but when she, I was, was writing, I was writing this in real time as I was reading. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right after sleeping with Harry, she looks for a picture. <laughs> 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 That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Good times. <laughs> wow. Okay, I like this. I hope you put this here positively. What? What? What do you mean by this? You wrote, you'll find what's left of him. Harry screams and cries while holding her mind back from seeing one. No, just Happy the plot point. No, just the plot point. No, I did. I put that in there. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> it's my running thought. Sometimes they're serious and sometimes they're like, three effing out! I read this wrong. I thought you said Hermione would still feel this way for Harry, even if Ron hadn't dieted. <laughs> Ron almost got away from Voldemort, but he was a little chunky. He couldn't make it over the hill. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, this oh, is going to be cool. fun. Okay. I'm, I'm crying. You're, okay, you ready to start? 
I don't know um, how to start because this is just a, a hilarious. Kronk, what do you want us to call you? <laughs> um, it uh, it doesn't matter. You can call me Kronk or Aaron. Aaron's my my you know your uh, given name, and Kronk yeah. is your is your bother name. All right, Jen, would yeah. you like us to call you? Jen doesn't care. Jen's like really... no. I said goddess. Goddess. Okay. And goddess? My, well, my favorite thing I want to bring up in these <laughs> chapters is when they all flew up on their brooms. All I can think of is your sex offenders. Every single one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Jen and I were talking about that. We were playing WoW, and it was like it, uh, Jen didn't but find that disturbing. I found it disturbing because what? The, the, I mean, they could have been having sex right there. Like, well, they were. They were. <laughs> they were in fact having sex. Out for a minute. No, when they flew, well, when they flew up, they were like spooning. In between moments, Ryan. Yes. Well, in three hours, it would have to be Jennifer, <laughs> but they didn't know that when they flew up. I would rather not. I love Laura's that. line, which is essentially like, "No, no, wait. If she can explain to me why she was in Harry's room last night having an orgasm and have it be completely innocuous, I want to give her the chance to do so." I just yes. love the line where Laura is like, "Would you like some more sugar or perhaps some more sex?" <laughs> well, I love that Harry was just laughing his ass off during the whole thing. You would have expected. I love like Jenny. She like it's like the description of her magazine is seriously like an advertisement. <laughs> I know I that was great. Well, Ger- Gerald's explanation. I'm like, he's trying to sell her a set of encyclopedias. <laughs> I loved it, too, when Hermione and Harry are comparing all of their time. She's like, crap, I have a boyfriend. Forgot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, Gerald. Well, she had just had, you know, like, three hours, or however many hours of sex with Harry. Because I'm know. trying to think, I'm like, maybe... She, blow your mind. Maybe they've been asleep for a couple hours. Like, what the no, they just got it on. I love Ginny, too. She, like, marches in there. She's like, sleep together. I have to go. <laughs> and I already talked to Like, Ron wouldn't have cared. I'm like, um, he might have been a little upset. I've read it for the first time now, and I just have to say, like, when Aaron, when I asked Aaron if he wanted to be in these podcasts, his exact response was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we both come back to POU, and it's like, yes! Oh, Jen, you're on these shows every single week. I know. I was pregnant. Oh, well, okay. well, I was about to say, when he's like, yes! I'm like, okay, well, that's exactly what Hermione said, too. But, you know, with Jen, it was on a boat. So, <laughs> she said it many times, though. Yes, many more times did. than I did. Well, I love the response. Because I just say this. I love it. Well, it's, I'll get to it in the podcast, because I, I have many thoughts on the sex scene. Yes, oh, I was going to say, we're, we're really, we're talking before we should be talking. All right, let's go. All right. Quick question of etiquette. Is there any, you know, words phrases that are off limits as far as the podcast goes we haven't found them yet like if you want to reenact the hermione sex scene you're more than welcome (laughs) (laughs) that would be really disturbing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, read it like it's a it's a book on tape and like make noises and stuff hey robert did say robert did say he wanted to record um, an audio version of this robert how would you do the hermione um (laughs) yes oh i even think about that i haven't read well i said that i hadn't read it in a long time (laughs) So I kind of well, it's not going to be an audio drama. There won't be, like, porn music in the back. <laughs> hey, Jen, Jen, you guys should do a, you guys do a master pick of that scene. <laughs> I, can I just say, I want to be Justin if we do that scene. All right, let's do... Uh... Let's just so do it. You guys do realize that that chapter, there's an NC-17 rated version of that chapter? Really? Yes. You Why didn't did know that? Why did tell Jen that? She's going to be reading it during the podcast. <laughs> I, well, so, if we do a master fic, we'll be sure to go with that version. <laughs> version. You can be I Harry and Jen can be Hermione. Ooh, wouldn't that uh, be awkward? Uh, uh, All right, let's just call Hermione a skanko? I think she called herself a skanko. She got pregnant no, on a boat. I'm not a skanko. Hey, you got impregnated on a boat. All right. No, so, I didn't. <laughs> whatever it takes. And, uh, 
Potterfic Weekly. And we're back to Potterfic <laughs> Weekly. The week that we don't know the hell this is going to release. <laughs> <laughs> Will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One brought us together and started its own forum list. Where the hosts are all our friends. All the stories told by Jen. Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Artific Weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Live from the Barack Obama inauguration. Welcome back to Artific Weekly, everyone. This is Ryan. What does inauguration mean? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Say hello, Jen. Say hello. Hello, I'm Jen. I'm Robert. And I'm Aaron. All right, now, this week we are starting The Paradigm of Uncertainty by Lori. If you haven't read it, it's a Harry Hermione fic. If you didn't know that before you started reading it, somewhere around Chapter 7, you would have been like, oh, my God. But yes, it is actually... Jen, are you dying? After eight. <laughs> that, was, I think it's, that was nice. That was like a hairball right there on Perfect Weekly. Jen, you all right? You going to make it? You were there with me? Yeah, I'm good. Chapter eight. <laughs> Would you like to compose yourself? No, I'm good. I'm all right. Now, we need to take three hours for that. Yes, Jen, take, we take, yeah, three hours seems to be the, um, the, the the measurement unit of time. You can drive from Boston to North Conway, New Hampshire, in the time that you're carrying. Well, we're going to get to that later. All right, very briefly, because we have a lot we want to get to tonight. First, we want to welcome Aaron to the podcast, Kronk on the forum. Welcome, Aaron. And all you need to know about him is when I sent him a, a message asking if he would um, like to come off the forum for a night and join the podcast, his exact response was... <coughs> Yes, please. <laughs> please. Uh, well, it was it, well, basically the culmination of a lifelong, well, maybe not lifelong, but, you know, at least three or four days I've been dreaming of being on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to seriously worry for you if you actually had a lifelong dream to be on Puttervick Weekly. No. That would be disturbing. Well, I don't even have a lifelong dream to be on Puttervick Weekly, but I still show up for work. I feel like I can die happy now. Oh, well, Jen, go with that. Well, actually, no, don't go with that. That's a little disturbing. <laughs> All right, so Aaron, I hear you, you you're you're somewhat of a fan of of um, Paradigm of Uncertainty. You're I am. It was the it was the first Harry Hermione fic I ever read, which I imagine that's the same for a lot of people. But I really liked it. It, was, it had a lot of uh, little interesting uh, themes to it and such. Uh, I liked how it was since it was a post goblet instead of post order. There was no prophecy, so you know you've got you've got a lot. It's a lot more open as far as where where it can go. Is it? Yeah, there's some confusion. It, it's, okay, um, I'll go ahead and bust out my knowledge of fandom here. Um, to my understanding, the beginning of the paradigm of uncertainty started before uh, before the release of Goblet of Fire. And if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure someone can email me email in and say otherwise, that after the release of Chapter 11 of Paradigm is when the Goblet of Fire was released worldwide. Sure. Did Lori so, go back and make modifications to the story no. after? Gra- she no. Did it. Now, let no. me ask you a question. Canon 
question here. When did Apparition first appear in the novels? Ooh, good question. Because during the scene when Fred is completely shocked that George vanished in front of his eyes, I'm like, you mean like apparating? And it took me, then I'm like, well, maybe they didn't have that yet. But then there was apparating there. Like, why isn't there apparition? I was like, I think there. I think Tamarani talked about it a lot early in the early books when she was saying you couldn't operate in and out of Hogwarts, but they never actually described the process. Um, Skizza here. Just letting you know that um, Apparition is first described in Chapter 9 of Prisoner of Azkaban. It's Halloween in third year, and Sirius Black just came into the castle, and a Ravenclaw, very smart Ravenclaw, um, says maybe he knows how to apparate, just appear out of thin air, you know. And then Hermione goes on, you can't operate in here and stuff. So, yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban, apparition um, in Prisoner of Azkaban. But um, that's in the fic, in Chapter 2. They put it in the fic. It's in there, in the fic. Just letting you know. Um, One thing I just want to say, this is the first... Well, actually, something on Aaron just said. He says this is the first Harry and Hermione fic he ever read. Wasn't it one of the first Harry and Hermione fics, like, ever written? Wasn't it? This is, like, if you were in the fandom, you know, in the old days, this was it. This was. This is one of... This is one of actually one of the first fix written period, yeah. to my understanding. Like, it started in 2000, so this thing is almost. I mean, well, Harry Potter celebrated 10 years last year, I think it was. I'm thinking maybe I don't know. Yell at me yeah. on the forums. I don't know, but it, it it's dirt old. 2008 right now. Thank you, John. <laughs> well, Kronk said it was the first Harry Hermione story that he had ever written. Written. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's the author now. No, he. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, yeah. Lori, to the podcast. Lori, you would think she's a woman, but not so much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, as I, as I was saying, that it was the first fic I ever read, period. No, this is definitely a really old, old story. Yeah, or the originals of its kind, because the novel-length fan fiction did come out, I mean, it came out later than the one-shots and, you know, writing a little scene here and there. Like, this is the first of its kind, mm-hmm. just to specify that a little bit more. And just to say one thing about our coverage of it, I don't really think since... Pretty much since after the end, the first fic that we covered, all of our fics have been post Order of the Phoenix, or um, they're usually been post uh, Half Blood Prince, or even post uh, Deathly Hallows. So when we look at this story, we have to realize the fact that this was written before, well, you know, before Goblet came out, you know, way back in the fandom. So when we look at certain characters, when we say, oh, you know, that's not really Hermione, or that's not really Ginny in the scene, this is the Ginny as she existed, you know, in, in Azkaban. So when you look at it that way, it's tremendous how much Lori got right, number one, and number two, it, you know, when you look at how she extrapolated, where would this character be, you know, 13, 14 years later, it really played out very well. Sometimes when you look at the older fix, you, you give them more of a benefit of the doubt, which, at least for me, because I'm one of those nitpickers, it really helps me enjoy the story more. So, so there's that, number one. The other thing I just want to say is this. I came into the fan... Robert can back me up here. Robert's been around since the beginning of time. I mm-hmm. came, yes, he is. Not has, really, though. He has, he has not, not really, but I've been around for a while. Well, I meant, like, you know, Garden of Eden, but you haven't been there that long. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. He, well, he has the voice for it. Does it, like... Does I am... Uh, no, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Okay, there we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but when you look at the fandom, you know, the, the Harry-Hermione divide before my time was, was a big deal. And then there, there was the Joe interview with Emerson, and that reignited everything. But there's usually a sense that if you're a Harry-Hermione fan, if you're a Harmonian, you're this militant person who lives in a hut somewhere in Montana. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, it's, and it, that's, that's, the, that's the visual you get. So you have some people who, who won't read the fix because they dislike the ship itself, and you have some people who won't read the fix because they're concerned for their personal safety and the safety of their family. <laughs> now, I just want to say this. I came into the fandom after this point. I sat down. And I wanted to read a Harry Ginny fic. I got like 18 chapters into it and realized it wasn't... Oh, I said Harry Ginny. I wanted to read a Harry Hermione fic. I sat down. I read a Harry Hermione fic. I got a few chapters into it. I realized it wasn't really a Harry Hermione fic, so I felt jilted, but I kept reading. So this is really the first Harry... Hermione fic I've ever read, and I'm reading it as someone who reads Harry Ginny, who reads the canon ships, so whenever I get into something new, it has to make sense to me. It has to be plausible based on the characters we know, and on almost all points, I think Laurie does a really good job with it, and I'll get into the points later on where I think it, it didn't quite pass the smell test, but I just want to say this. This is Perfect Weekly. Most of the people who we're talking to right now are Hufflepuffs. We <laughs> love everybody. So you, and I don't. No. You, you don't love everybody? Well, I kind of do. I, I'm confused with my... Well, I don't know. If anyone in this room is more likely to, you know, start opening fire, it's probably going to be you. Probably. Probably. Mm, fire. Mm, fire. So, <laughs> so I just want to say that. We're going to be covering this for, for five weeks. It, you know, we're going to be focusing less on the wank and more on, on, on just the ships themselves. And if you've ever tried the Harry Hermione effect and maybe you didn't like it, well, you're obviously listening to us right now. Read the fic, give it a shot, and for those of you who love, you know, the Harry Hermione ship and you just, you know, really enjoy the story, this can be, you know, like a chance to bring new people into that way of thought. So basically, this is a long-winded way of saying, hold your fire! This is also, like, an extremely original and creative fic as well. I mean, if you like mm-hmm. AU fics with, yes. like, an extremely interesting and well-written plot line this one is a fic for you like if you like mysteries and you like romance this is perfect like it doesn't matter if if you like harry hermione's stories or not if you like romantic storylines this is a good one jen do you like romantic storylines oh baby yes i do <laughs> oh my god that, oh, was, no. that was way too much information <laughs> have you gotten the uh, sense yeah. she said that one too many times oh baby oh baby like in, in this yes, all day today, just like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. All day today in Skype chat, like she kept on talking about how sexy Harry is in this story. He is sexy and, in this story. Uh, it's it's. I'm very scared right now for, for the rest There's of the no. podcast. Better than Draco and leather. I just have to tell you all too, you know, behind the scenes of Perfect Weekly, we've been doing this for a year and a half. We've been getting tired and we've covered so many things that we're discussing amongst ourselves. Maybe it's time to, you know, turn it over to a new generation of, you know, well, basically people who like to talk really quickly and, you know, have a lot of free time. And we started covering POU and Jen got so excited. We're committing to another four years. (laughs) Four more years. So why don't we jump into the fic? Jen, do you want to get us started? Sure, I can get us started. The story starts with Hermione. Would you like to go beyond that a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of where a good spark. Like, I guess I'll start with like how I felt after reading chapter one when I first read this story. Because I think that's a good starting place. Okay. I think a lot of stories, you know, you read a couple of sentences and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll give this a shot. You know, a lot of stories, you read the first couple of sentences and you're like, oh my gosh, this is Mel Preg, ah. And a lot of stories, <laughs> you what know. T- I have a question. Um, what tips you off that it's the Mel Preg? <laughs> you know, I'm 
don't want to wow. spoil the, I don't really look at the ships because I just look at summaries and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I read it and I'm like, oh, you know, really <laughs> <laughs> frightening. But yeah. this story was one that I read the first chapter and I was completely enthralled. Like to me, just because of when I read this, like I said, it was one of the first stories I ever read. And it was definitely the first story I'd ever read in Hermione's point of view. And I just thought that the entire take on what Hermione was thinking, like making up a future for her and making up what she had done with her life and like how mysterious Harry still seemed to be and how unsatisfied Hermione still seemed to be with her scholarly stuff had gone to, you know, it was just so intriguing to me. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, it was one of those stories that I just couldn't put down. And then by, like, the end of chapter three or four, it was like, I just had to get to the next chapter, to the next chapter. And, you know, when I finished this story, it was like, where's part two? So I don't know. Like, did y'all find that when y'all were reading it? Was it one that y'all kind of forced yourself to read? Or was it just very easy and natural and a page turner? Pulled you in really quickly there. Um, you know, uh, you start off and you're, it's, it's Hermione, you're right. And then uh, it's it's so far in the future that they've made this whole world for them. And you get down to the bottom of the first chapter and Cho tells uh, Hermione that Harry's a spy. And suddenly you're like, what? Harry a spy? That almost sounds like a book or something. Well, my first reaction was, why the hell would you want Harry to be your spy? He's the most recognizable person on the planet. That was my first take with the whole spy thing. Now, Jen, you started reading the story eight years ago, right? Yeah, something like that, okay. yeah. I started three days ago. So I, <laughs> so I can remember my first read very, very, very well. <laughs> now, with every fic we've ever covered on this podcast, you know, we, we've gotten every, – every time someone tells me what the story is going to be about, they're always, always, always wrong. Um, or at least that's my perception. When Rena described the fic to me, I asked her what she thought, and her main uh, – you know, Rena, as we know, is very, very into canon fix, except for her new Hermione Snape obsession, which is completely Jen's fault. And <laughs> completely icky too. You no, know, she told me whatever you do, don't tell Jen because she was afraid Jen would just glow oh, forever. And yeah, I'm too actually, Rena, when I talk to you. <laughs> exactly, and I said, oh please, this is right when I knew that Jen was was um you know she was starting to get morning sickness and everything, and no one else knew about her pregnancy. So I'm like, oh Jen has enough problems on her plate. And then Rena thought <laughs> Jen was dying of something, and it was this awful thing. So I had to tell her about the baby. But um, it's all because of Snape and Hermione, you know, fix unfortunately. So her, uh, Rena's problem with the fic reading it, presumably years after, is that to her, Hermione's felt like Ginny. Like, if you changed the word Hermione every time she showed up to Ginny, it would both make the, the, the characters flow better for Rena and presumably would, would make the whole, you know, sex scene with Ron just very, very, very... Very strange. <laughs> very um, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm, well, that was the thing. So the first thing I thought when I was reading it is now that I heard that, I kept trying to exchange the characters in my head to see if I felt the same way. And I really, no, I really didn't. I mean, Hermione, the, the reason this fic works well, and I just want to say this real fast to get started, I, I'm very picky. If, 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 if you I can read anything, but it needs to make sense to me. And if I can buy into it, then I'll love it. And, but the, I don't walk into any fic saying, I'm never going to like this. I'll give it a shot. To do a Harry Hermione fic, there, there's a couple of things you have to do. I think Hermione and Ron have a natural attraction to each other, and I think they're like the natural pair. So to have a Harry-Hermione fic work, Ron can't be there. He has to be dead, presumably, because if you turn him into a traitor or something, it just is out of character. So he, the fact that, that Ron is dead in this fic 
is necessary. It can't be immediately thereafter because, you know, it would take many years for Hermione to get over that. So the fact that it's a post-Hogwarts fic where Ron is not there works very well in, in, in the favor of this ship. Also, this is not the Hermione from, obviously, Prisoner of Azkaban, and this is a very different Hermione than we got out of the canon. And the reason I think that, you know, Renna can see Ginny in there is because the plot line from Lori is that this is a Hermione who grew up with the boy, you know, presumably this is after Azkaban. She grew up with the boys for another three years until Ron died. She's lived with Harry ever since. She's become more like them. So she, she's been changed as a result of that. So the fact that she has been with Harry so long and Harry's really all that she has left of, of that point of her life, they kind of grow into each other and it's symbiotic. So I can buy into the fact that because Ron's there, because they've been together so long that they can ease into a romantic situation. I'm okay with that. So I think this is probably the perfect setup for me to buy into a Harmonian fic. I mean, if she's at Hogwarts and she all of a sudden falls in love with Harry in fifth year, I'm going to have real problems with it, but... Well, yeah, I think that's what also what I liked about this fake was that it did seem to me a natural progression. And when I was reading this, you know, and you take into account that only POA had been written, because at that point we didn't know that, you know, at that point, Jenny was still this bumbling idiot little kid who had a crush, you know, and, and mm-hmm. although, you know, you were kind of vote, you kind of chose by then that it was going to be Ron and Hermione, we didn't know for sure. Can I ask you a question? Because um, this is actually like a limitation of mine, but we have a really broad group here. Um, Aaron, are you? Would you consider yourself a Harmonian, someone who uh, really enjoys that ship? Or I would consider myself a Harry Jenny shipper, but uh, I've I've recently, for a while, that was all I would read. Um, but I've recently branched out and read a lot of Harmonian stuff lately, and I I really like the ship. I think that there it's a it's a good pairing. There's only one thing you have to change in order to make Harry and Hermione work, and that's, you have to make it so that Harry doesn't think of Hermione as a sister. It's really not that big of a, it's, it's not as big of a jump as, say, if you want to have pair Harry up with Draco, for example, because then you also have to, you know, make Harry, you know, homosexual, and well, there's that too, Draco yeah. attractive to him. <laughs> there's that too. Let me just, just round the group real fast. This is my question, and this might help me going into it. For those of you who can easily buy into the Harmonian ship, what is it about those two characters that you think makes them two people that can fall in love with each other? Like, Ron and Hermione, I get. Harry, Ginny, I get. Like, Jen, like, what do you think? Like, what in your mind makes these two characters compatible in that way? You mean, what makes them... Like, naturally. If, like, if... The, if the, Yeah, like, in a, like in this fic, there's, there's plot reasons. There's but what the, makes any two characters compatible? I mean, they're both Gryffindors. They share a lot of similar traits. And... I mean, why not? I guess what I'm saying is, like, with Ginny, for example, Harry and Ginny have this thing where Harry, you know, is treated like the boy who lives by everyone. Ginny treats but, him directly. You no, know, he despises right. at that point. And Ginny understands that. And Ginny's one of the only people that can get in his face. And when he's self-destructive, she can really snap him out of it. Ron and Hermione are opposites, but because of they're, they're so different, they're also so compatible. I guess the problem I have in most situations is, I, you know, Hermione's usually the bossy one. Hermione's usually the mother hen. And, it, like, I don't see a natural attraction between the characters, but I can see there, there, there's an attraction if you put plot devices into effect that lead them together, like I think happened in this fic. I was just curious if you guys saw, like, a natural... Well, I don't think there was a natural progression of Snape and Hermione, and yet I love those. Fair <laughs> <laughs> conversation. It's just sort of. I, th- I think to kind of touch on uh, what Ryan said in regards to plot points, I think that's true with any sort of character and in any sort of story. I mean, you have to have plot events in order to get the characters to get to the point where 
they have that sort of chemistry. I mean, you just can't magically have chemistry between characters with no interactions between them. Kronk was a uh, Harry Ginny shipper who kind of dabbled in har- uh, Harmonian stuff. I actually used to be one. I, I'll be honest. I mean, this is my first fic. So in turn, I became a Harmonian. And I was a Harmonian for quite some time. Um, in fact, I was very anti-Harry Ginny, as I now get dirty looks from everybody in the community. <laughs> but, uh, I wonder who won that. <laughs> yeah, and I want to clarify that I wasn't... I mean, I enjoyed the relationship mainly in fan fiction and for a while until Goblet of Fire came out sort of became more obvious where J.K. Rowling was going and I really don't want to get into a ship argument but that's when I came to the realization hey this isn't gonna happen in canon so yeah I think in regards to what you're saying here a lot of people a lot of Harry Hermione shippers tend to enjoy the Harry Hermione ship because of the friendship that Harry and Hermione have compared to where Ron and Hermione are constantly bickering and fighting, and like it's a yeah. bad vibe in a lot of Harry Hermione shippers' opinions, and that the harmonious, if you will, uh, relationship <laughs> between Harry and Hermione that exists it would lead more towards a quote-unquote healthy relationship yeah. later on for romantic, uh, romantic relationship. This man so can think- sell anything. I just want to say that right now. <laughs> well, Based? <laughs> exactly. He could, and I want to point out, Robert has never even been to Montana. He is not one of the hut people. I was. Referring you know. To. You know what the funny thing is, is that you mentioned Montana because I have people a friend really who happened to be on my old podcast who has a friend who is a hardcore Harry Hermione shipper. He lives in Montana. Montana. Yes. Which I find hilarious you mentioned Montana. It's like the last best hope for peace. Well, let me just say this: the reason I asked the question, I'm going to get. I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. The question about, you know, what makes the, the, the ship work is a question I had for the end of the podcast tonight, because it's where I kind of leave off in my notes, but we'll get there. Why don't we start from the, um, let's start from the beginning of the fic. Now, the first thing I just want to bring up is obviously the plot points. Ten years later, and you have, um, you have Harry living with Hermione and with uh, George Weasley and with uh, Justin um, Finch Fleshley. Yeah. Fletchley. I've been trying to pronounce his name Fletchley. all day. Fletchley. And Laura. Yes, and Laura. Right. Now, Kronk, you were t- now you were posting on the forum. Laura and Sori are from what fandom? It's not something I've ever listened or ever read or listened to, but it's from uh, uh, something called Mar- uh, "The Changeover" by Margaret Mayhe. Okay, it, that's just that's just in the uh, in the the uh, the disclaimer notes on. Uh, on the fit. Well, it's interesting. Um, it's called the changeover. Do we know what specifically? Because obviously, there's a changeover in these chapters where you can become magical or lose your ability. Do we know if it has anything to do with that? Or uh, as far as I know, that the process described in the uh, uh, when Laura describes it to well Hermione later on, um, that's the same process that uh, is that ha- takes place in the book. Well, that's interesting. Well, the, I just love the fact in these chapters that the changeover occurs in the bathroom. I don't know why. It just makes it that much weirder. But anyway, let, the first thing I want to say is, obviously, you have all these different characters living together in the same house. Now, I want to say this. For the last year, I, you know, my girlfriend lived in New York City, and she lived in, like, an 800-square-foot apartment in Brooklyn for $2,250 a month. Right. And that was incredibly low rent. Like, inc- you cannot imagine how, like, that apartment should have gone for four grand, five grand a month. Really good deal. Now, these six kids, they're in their mid-twenties. They all have, you know, fairly good jobs. You know, George Weasley, for example, is the Alice from the Brady Bunch character. <laughs> I have to tell you, in every scene, I picture him walking around in Alice's little blue maid outfit with, the th- like that, with his hair up in the bun. That's all I can picture. Mrs. Brady! 
It sounded like a cow died in the driveway. <laughs> now, Alice, you go on to bed. I'll just go sit until Mr. Brady comes home. Now, look, ghost be gone, anti-witchcraft charm. If you ever worked, work now. <laughs> They have normal jobs. I was gonna say George does have a cool, you know, normal job. He gets to he gets to be a right. test pilot. That's like that's just about the coolest pilot or coolest job you can get. Yeah. I picture him doing that from like nine a.m. to eleven a.m. and the rest of the day is working on the pot roast. I don't know. It's just like every scene. <laughs> like there's a scene in my notes. It's even like George arrived in the middle of a scene. George arrived with a giant frozen turkey. I'm like, well, you go, George. You need to get He's that. Like turkey. Rachel Ray. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, and Martha Stewart. I know. I love it. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm stuck on the Martha Stewart where he's, like, decorating everything in pastels. (laughs) And he wears little aprons. (laughs) But seriously, I've been humming the Brady Bunch theme song. The Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch, that's the way we became the Brady Bunch. It cracks me up. He's so domesticated. And it's the only thing I can imagine where where you actually want to eat food that George has created. It's like, look, yeah. look at the cannon. It's like everything he eats blows your head off. And this one, you actually want to eat it. But anyway, they're not wealthy. And then one of them is a professional Quidditch player. And, you know, Harry works for the government. And you know, and Justin works for the government. And Hermione's a professional. I mean, they've got good jobs. But they literally live in, like, Hogwarts. This is this huge mansion mm-hmm. of a place and it's like it cra- like just the descriptions it's like Hermione's bedroom was one of the larger in the house she was in the north wing <laughs> and you know it's like they have there's like a they're golfing in the middle of the house and it's like yeah. ballroom B and it's, it's like where the hell are these people living it's cracking it's like then like you know there's the scene where Justin's you know mowing the lower 40 it's like where the hell do these people live and how do they get a house at 24 that's the size of France they say they lucked in into it. They tell you how. Well, there's even more to it than that, um, which I don't know exactly when you learn about that, but uh, there's more to it. You learn, like, in the first... Well, I know there's more to it. No, you don't learn the real answer until, uh, I believe it's the story that never ends. So if you want to be spoiled, Ryan, we can tell you, Don't spoil me yet, but just to say, my reading experience, starting off reading Paradigm of Uncertainty, my first reaction is, oh, they live in the big house. Then the next scene is, Hermione, you know, walked through the indoor winter garden on her way to, you know, the East Wing. I'm like, where the hell do these people live? I was going to say really quickly, um, for those of you who uh, are really curious to see what uh, Ballycroft, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, really, like considering it is, it is a massive house. Lori has a Yahoo group for the Paradigm of Uncertainty, and in her file section, she actually has floor plans for this entire this three-story mansion, and explains all of the rooms. and it, And Ryan's right; this place is absolutely freaking insane. It also has a three-car garage. I want to point out the fact that it has a three-car <laughs> garage. Yeah, it's like Hermione drives her Yeah. Well, I could see the Jeep, but it's like Hermione with the Mercedes just cracking. And so, Laura's got a bug. <laughs> yes, and I just wanted to also point out the fact that Ginny was going to move in with him, but she found herself a nice flat in London. I'm like, she could have had a whole wing. 
<laughs> yeah, very good point. Well, she does have her own room in the house, though. Everyone has their own room in the house. Yeah, every, like, even Ron, who's dead, has a room in the house. He has a really nice room with a really large bathtub. I want to say, I was looking at this room. And seriously, it's like they have the book room. Picture you had 412 rooms in your house. Okay, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to keep plastic cans in this room, and we're going to keep aluminum cans in that room. And if we run out of room in both of these rooms, we can use storage area 3C in wing four. Like, you need a map to walk around this house. I don't mean to stress on the house, but every time they brought up the fact that Hermione had to leave for work and it took her eight hours to reach the front door, I got a little pissed because I was, like, spent my entire year, like, crunched up in a small apartment, so I was a little irritated by that. I want to comment something really quickly, because um, I, I know you don't want to continue to talk about the house forever. I'd love that. But I think the, one of the great things that Laurie did with this house is it really kind of instilled the sense of it's a Harry Potter fan fiction and Harry Potter takes place in Hogwarts, which is this massive castle with these massive amounts of rooms. So I think that kind of translated well for this story to have a house that was freaking huge and had tons of different rooms that really kind of made the house in a way kind of Hogwartsy. And like it's it's kind of funny that later on in the, this set of chapters like talking about that winter garden room again there's a she mentions that there's a winter garden room in Hogwarts so I think that it gives a Hogwartsy feel to the house itself. No, I definitely agree with you. Um because they didn't mention the fact that you know Harry was I mean all of their you know their their money together pays for it. Harry mentions, you know, even though I'm going to take off to you know fight Voldemort and possibly be killed, I'm still happy to pay the mortgage. That component there just cracked me up a little bit. And mm -hmm. um, Well, the other thing, too, obviously, is they all couldn't be crammed into a small apartment, because that would have put a whole new spin on the Harry Hermione sex scene. Because they'd be going <laughs> at it in the bed, and it would be like the scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where there's, like, you know, four people to a bed, like, face, like, each of feet. <laughs> And you're like, Disturbed. well, basically, it'd be Laura and George just sitting there with the popcorn, like trading it back and forth. Just while, I'm, that was a little. Uh. I, I do apologize for that. And I also want to just point out as well, you know, sometimes in these podcasts, Jen wants to talk about her point so badly that when I talk about other things, she gets very quiet and I feel self-conscious. Jen actually got kicked off the line. Jen's coming back in now. I thought she was mad at me. That's why I stopped talking about the house. As it turns out, Jen wasn't even here. I mean, it took me like an hour and a half to know this. Let's see what Jen's thoughts are. I'm sorry. I thought you were here the whole time and I thought you were mad at me. Why? Because I was talking about the house for a very long time. No, I wasn't mad. I, like, the power, like, went out. It flickered. Flickered power. All right, all you missed was I was joking if they lived in the small apartment, it would be like the bed from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> with two couples feet to feet, and while Harry and Hermione were going at it, you would have had Laura and George on the other side eating popcorn watching. <laughs> that might have been really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say this? Jen is a natural exhibitionist. I, you know, she hasn't put that in her bio, but Jen, anytime she's got her binoculars and she is watching you. <laughs> That's so sick. It's so true. All right, uh, Aaron, what were, Aaron, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say that uh, Robert stole my point about the house being like Hogwarts. Uh, Jen posted, like, what was it, 20-something questions about this on the forums yeah. the other day. Jen's a little excited. And one, and one Sorry, of them I, I actually did the questions, so I fail. <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone failed, apparently. <laughs> but uh, I was pointing out that uh, uh, the, uh, the other 
other fix uh, try to do that too in various ways. Like, uh, and after the end, everybody goes and stays with Rima, so you've got everybody in the same house again. And if you don't have them like that, then you've got to you know force them together some other way because otherwise they're just sitting in their houses by themselves, yeah, twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, that's a very good point. The only comparison I would draw is the difference between you know Lupin Lodge and Wayne Manor. Wayne Manor burned yeah. down, man. Thanks for spoiling the ending, Chen. It will be rebuilt. Yep, hopefully. Is that what happens in The Dark Knight? I think no, that's what happened in Batman Begins. Yeah, it happened in Batman Begins at the very end. I, I'm really horrible at remembering movies, but oh well. I watched Batman in the 60s. <laughs> the one where Batman would punch someone and they would pow, actually write bam. pow across the screen. <laughs> I love the penguin. He was so round. I okay. like Robin. Robin? Well, Robin was a little, well, basically. Gay. Holy Merlin magician. Can I just point to the fact that I love the way they, they had Justin have lunch with Hermione? He's like, you know, I do play for the other team. I'm like, oh! Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I can if we're, if we're, are we moving to chapter two? Because if so, I want to say something really quickly no, about we, chapter we, one. We can try and go in Wait, some... No, we're not finished with chapter one, are we? Well, we don't have to go exactly in order, but we should we should try and get it right. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Robert, why don't you make your point? We'll kind of. What I was going to say real quickly is one of the things I really enjoyed about chapter one, and that it was great that it made it the first story that I ever read in fan fiction, was I think that Laurie does a great job of setting up the setting, setting up the characters, introducing. Even though it's a fan fic, she introduces the characters a little bit and gives a little bit of base of where the story has, of the canon, at least, at that point in time. And then she just totally hits you in the face of the whole spy thing. So I think it's a great starting chapter for what would be for the rest of the story. Well, it's good she introduces them, too, because it's, you know, at this point, 13 years uh, uh, removed from canon since this was written after uh, Prisoner. So mm-hmm. it, they're almost completely different characters. They've, they've lived, you know, the second half of their lives at this point. Well, it's true. It's one of the comments we made in After the End, too. When you when you read After the End, after reading Deathly Hallows, you know, Ron seems like Ron, and Hermione seems like Hermione. But then you realize that when they wrote that, it, they were, you know, in fourth year. So the fact that, you know, she she built them up, you know, to the fact that, you know, we're used to the 14... She, all she had was, you know, 13-year-old characters at this time, whereas her Hermione isn't tremendously different from the Hermione that we have in Deathly Hallows. And there are parts in this, because I, w- I was reading this, and I was also reading um, a, a post-Deathly Hallows fic a little bit at the same time on the same day. And there were times where I had to stop and say, okay, which fic did this happen in, which fic did that happen in? Because I think that, you know, you, she could have made Hermione, you know, goth, and she could have made Harry... You know, she could have screwed the characters up, moving them ahead 10 years, and now that we're 10 years ahead in real time, I think it held up very well. So she definitely gets major kudos for not only, like Rob said, describing the scene and, you know, making us feel like this is a real world, but also making that world real enough and correct enough that it, it survives. It's not like the Bob Newhart show where you look back and you're like, oh my god, that's the biggest necktie I've ever seen. Right? What I liked about her chapter one was that as well as, you know, creating plot and background and stuff, she also... I like it when authors can put into words a, a feeling that happens sometimes. I know that there's this one sentence that I wanted to bring up that she had written. Uh, it had been ne- it had been nearly ten years since she and Harry, clinging helplessly to each other, had cried over Ron's body after receiving a taunting message from Voldemort telling them where they could find him. Yet at unexpected times, the grief resurfaced like an unpleasant mess she kept forgetting to clean up. Like I love that because we all have like you know things in our past that come up from time to time and you're 
I just really liked the metaphor. Like, I just, I don't know. Well, especially when you think of the fact that they spent five years with Ron, you know, more or less five. When did he die? Sixth year or was it fifth? Sixth Sixth year. year. So they spent five years with Ron and they spent ten years without him. And you could move this fic 30 years ahead and Ron would still be with them that deeply. You know, the passage of time doesn't make it easier. And, yeah, I mean, that was the event that brought – I mean, that's why I can really buy into, you know, maybe a ship I'm not accustomed to or I would automatically default to because they take these two characters and they say, okay, they're going to go through this gut-wrenching ordeal. And we read about it, I believe, in Chapter 8. We see exactly what happened. And it it bound the two of them together, and they will always have that. And part of them will always exist on that day. And it's just, it's just, like I said, it's just a gut-wrenching, you know, awful thing, which has bound these two together. And there's a point later on where Harry will say, you're all I have. I was born the day I arrived on the Hogwarts Express. You know, my life started that day, and you're all I have left of that life. And it's just, it's, you know, it was the trio, and now there's only two of them left. And when one die, you know, they, they carry on, and they do it for Ron. And it's just, it's just a tremendous, powerful, tremendously powerful show of friendship. And just, it really makes the whole thing gel together very nicely. I thought. I also. I just I burned. Also, I just burned Jen no, out. Jen's really like. Good. Jen's no. like. I, you had. You said it so perfect. I couldn't add to that. Another thing that I liked about this was that Laurie really captured Harry. I love that they capture him in that he has all these job opportunities because of his name, and he didn't want to take any of them because you know you don't earn your name. You know he wanted something that somebody would appreciate him for him. And so he kept waiting and waiting. You know, they they introduced that, that, you know, he has this job, but he didn't. He could have any job he wants to in the Wizarding World just because of who he is. I liked that she captured that even from the first three. Yeah, because I was going to say, like a lot of the vices that you see in these chapters, where you see Harry trying to sacrifice himself to save his friends. I mean, you see Harry resisting taking any type of benefit from his name. Those are things that came into Harry later on in the series that it was as if she read Deathly Hallows and then wrote it. It was still true today, so that really stood the test of time, especially since she wrote this thing eight years ago. It, it, mm-hmm. it, that really lasted really, really well. As did one point I want to bring up. Cho Chang is apparently a bitch. We find out very yep. early on in the story. <laughs> now, let me ask like you that. this. In Azkaban, jo- Cho did not have opportunity yet to be a bitch. Am I correct? In Azkaban, no. she was flying in Quidditch. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. There wasn't much about her, actually. At all. all. All you hear is that she's the Ravenclaw seeker and that Harry kind of, I don't I think there, he has a fluttering her. in his stomach or something. So did this fic kind of create the impression that, like, like I was talking to Robert earlier this week and he said that this fic created the impression everywhere that Justin is just a gay character. Did this fic create the impression that Cho Chang is a bitchy character? Because you see that everywhere, but it's like, where did that come from this early on? Maybe, but I think probably a lot of fanfiction authors, there's at least in regards to people who are writing Harry, Ginny, Harry, Hermione, obviously because if you're writing between POA and uh, Goblet of Fire, you need to get rid of uh, Cho, and I guess probably one way is that a lot of authors decided just to write her as a bitch to get rid of her in that regard. But then you have Order of the Phoenix, and she turns out to be a bitch in any way, so it, it kind of works out. So JKR had the same idea. I guess. <laughs> that woman reads a great deal of fan fiction. I just want <laughs> you to you think. Yeah, <laughs> there's no way she didn't read fan fiction before Deathly Hollows. Well, wasn't that the thing in, um, nope. in Half Blood Prince? She kept calling she she called it the 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 DADA Professor of Defense Against the Dark Arts. Like that was a fandom thing, but she, like showed up in the book. Like, oh okay. Like, there's there's a lot of other things that well, unfortunately, one that we don't get to talk about tonight. 
a major influence that you could assume that J.K. Rowling just totally ripped out of this series. It's an, and yeah, but you guys can discuss that next episode. Well, it, took, <laughs> it took her like four and a half years to put out Order of the Phoenix, so she had to be doing something in all that time. She wasn't writing. She just reads fanfiction. She writes. She just reads fanfiction. I just want to say real fast on the on the show is a bitch thing. I once read a fic where it was actually Neville that was the bitch, and ooh, that was uh-huh. a different. Oh, that was he, the script. Wow. He was like the prefect from hell. He was like running around chasing people, like giving them detention. <laughs> she's he's, he's like making the first years go to bed at like three thirty in the afternoon. It was awful. Character choice for him. Exactly. It's like this is what happens when Lori does it right. I know. <laughs> but it turned out badly. Now I just want to point out. Now in every podcast we've done, I have made one comment or another about you know I was so into the fic I got lost and ended up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which happened. Or I was listening to this fic and I drove through a toll booth, which actually happened. Or I <laughs> crashed my car, which nearly happens every time I get behind the wheel. And Danielle loves driving with me. She even has a helmet, just for that mm-hmm. occasion. She's talked to me about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to just point this out. Now, there's a scene early in this chapter where the entire household is sitting down for dinner. They're in dining room four. I remember that. Exactly. It was dining room four. <laughs> and they're at the um, I think it's dining room five. What's the, no, <laughs> dining room four was closed no, for No, they're not numbered. They're lettered. It's it was, G. Okay. Dining room double. You know why? You know why? You're right. Because because they were on deck six. You're right. They're, yes, they're, exactly. they're, they're, they're rear. They're, they're right. They're directly next to the spring arboretum. You're correct. They're, they actually well, have, have the winter garden or whatever. I don't know what that means. Snow is in there apparently. Well, it cracks me up that at Harry's place of business they need bubbles to follow them around. What, like when they get in their front door, how, how do they find their bedrooms? I have no idea. Well, there's a reason that there's the Bubble. I know. Oh, yeah. Anyway. The plate keeps cha- moving and changing. So they're at the dining room table, and you know George, wearing his you know short blue dress, is cutting the meat, and you know <laughs> he's serving everybody, and he, he has to get the laundry, and then he has to pick the kids up at any golf. And they're talking, and Hermione mentions the fact they mention the fact that Hermione has a date. And Hermione kind of yes. is, this is when I was looking for Ginny, you know, like, or it's Ginny wearing a Hermione wig, according to Renna. So I'm watching it very carefully. Uh-huh. And she and she gets a little nervous, and she tries to get them off it, and they make, you know, neener, neener, neener jokes, because they're all 15 years old. And then she mentions the fact that she is dating a very nice man, and they, and they make fun of her again. And she's like, what do you have against Gerald? And I remember she's like, now I'm listening to this. I'm listening to this in my car. There's nothing wrong with that name. And she's like, what? And George is like, Gerald, Gerald. Gerald. And she says, what is wrong with Gerald? And George says the following, which was translated by my, my, my text to voice recorder. Nothing. Wait, wait, Justin says this. Justin, I'm sorry, Justin says this. Now, Justin, you know, you know, the, um, he would play... Playing for the other team, Justin responds to what is wrong with Gerald with the following line. Nothing unless you don't like getting picked last for football. At that point, I laughed. At that point, I swerved. At that point, I popped a tire, drove a mile on a flat, had to pay $114 for a new tire, had to walk to work in 90-degree weather, all because of fan fiction. But it was worth it, right? It was worth worth it. It wasn't even that funny of a line, but it was just... Next one, they're like, how young is he really? And and she's like, he'll be 22, they waited, in 15 months. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, cuckoo, cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo, Mrs. Robinson. 
Well, Harry's, well, Harry's response is when to two. He's our age. How old were we when we were our age? Yeah, what year was that? <laughs> All right, what year? He's waiting for you to make him into a man. And what's really sad is when you actually meet Gerald, he is in fact waiting for Hermione to make him into a man. It's actually very accurate. And unfortunately, one of these days you'll help him become a man. <laughs> And the thing I loved about Harry is usually you have Harry who, like, turns 14 shades of red at the thought of sex. He's laughing his ass off. I, just I know. Well, like, he's grown up, and he's had sex, and, you know, once you've had it, you don't blush anymore. This is true. So, unfortunately for Hermione, you know, Gerald both wants to have sex and sell her a new set of Encyclopedia Britannicas. <laughs> it was very unfortunate. I but, think this says a lot about Laurie's writing. I mean, it's funny. You laugh. I mean, it's good dialogue. Well, there were points in the story where I actually wrote in my notes this is the clunkiest dialogue i've ever seen in my life and then the next line has me laughing my ass off so i like i'm like i don't know what to think maybe she was on medication that day with a really bad I line don't think really it's like, clunky i think it's very stylistic there's some lines mm-hmm. that don't fit the characters it's like sometimes something sounds right in your head but when you say it out loud it's not natural dialogue like i have some examples going through it i'll mention like the character of george sometimes seems so serious like, he seems like he's talking, like, data from Star Trek. All systems are functioning within normal specifications. Like, he's... You know I mean? <laughs> the like, chip, yeah. And then, yeah, and then I'm like, well, maybe maybe George isn't supposed to be funny anymore. Maybe he outgrew that in Laurie's universe. Then in the next line, he's just saying really funny. I'm like, maybe Laurie is having a bad day. <laughs> like, I don't get... But, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, to contemplate that when we get there. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Well, it could just be that George is separated from Fred. I mean, how often do you see that happen? Where you've got yeah. Fred and George not... You know, alive, but not together in the wherever they are. I think it's kind of sad that everybody likes Cho, but they don't like her behind her back. <laughs> like, <it's> so, <laughs> I'm a little concerned about Cho's feelings here. Oh, Cho! They're all waving at the front gate. Like, they're at, they're at the front gate near the secondary guard tower. Like, picture where I am on the ground. So they're, <laughs> and they're all wait, but and they all have their arms behind each other. Like, it's like the little house in the prairie, and he's going off to the big city. Bye, Cho. We'll miss you. Is she okay? Good. The bitch is gone. Let's run back in the house. Let's run back in the house, and that's it. <laughs> so it's 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 really unfortunate for. And Cho. I've never seen I've never seen people be as excited about wallpaper stripping. As these people <laughs> yeah, I was going to well, say, they're, they're, like, into, have you noticed like all the creative things that they come up to do because they don't have a TV? I'm like, <laughs> why don't they have TV? They have cars. Well, no, like, think which, about it. They're in the house. They have a CD like, player too. They're all sitting or in. The, <laughs> yeah. They're in. They're all in the starboard living room, and they're just sitting there and they're talking about the day. And all of a sudden, Justin runs in. You're never going to believe it. I found a whole new tower to the house. And they, they have 17 new rooms, and they get to they get to put wallpaper up in them. And Hermione's like, I I can put all my recycling in this room. And you look up, and it's like the east room of the White House. Like it's just it's enormous. Like I don't know. Well, I like that Hermione's room is oval shaped. Like she has the oval office as her bedroom. <laughs> You know what's great? In the scene at the end where they go into one of the many studies in the house to work on the astronomy lesson to find Harry, it's like Hermione walks in and she sits down behind this large mahogany desk, and then Cho comes in and sits down at her desk. I'm like, well, they have like eight desks. (laughs) (laughs) You just cracked me up. There's cubicles. Going on in his house. But and they've, got a, they've got a water bottle and uh, a coffee machine and there's a paper. 
paper shredder. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is going to be for anyone who actually has yet to read this story but happens to be listening to this podcast? I feel so sorry for them because of the fact that it's just oh, like, they're going to like go into this like, this story is all about a house. Because <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy. We're not talking about our pipes tonight. <laughs> I like Robert... Ryan doesn't even know what happens to this house. I, I and, don't. I've read to chapter nine. Please don't tell me what happens to But it, I'll just tell you, it gets better. <laughs> no, I'm loving it. But my question is, what does a professional Quidditch player need with a large mahogany desk? Like, it just, like, I don't know. Just... Obviously, to do answer her fan mail. I don't exactly. know. Here's another question. What does a witch or wizard need with a Mercedes? <laughs> she has to visit her parents somehow. It's a little awkward to b- ride her broom from the ministry. Public transportation. That was another question I had. When Hermione run. That's why I'm wondering. I'm like, there can't be aberrations. <laughs> she, like, jumps out the window with <laughs> she her. T- she's on, like, the, well, she's on the 42nd floor, and she's like, Stella! <laughs> I'm picturing Elaine Bennis from the Seinfeld episode where she's drunk at Morty Seinfeld's apartment, in case you're wondering, or she's on cough medicine or whatever. Hey, Stella! And she literally, she's it's she's like Angela Lansbury from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. She's like, Stella, I'll be back. And she jumps out the 42nd story. And then I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Like, Hermione has a fear of heights. And then, like... They're like, and she hugged up against the side of the mountain to avoid sight by the muggles. I'm like, well, if you didn't just jump out of the 42nd floor, <laughs> like, was the flu busy? And then that's why I'm like, maybe there's no apparition, but I'm just well, like, I, <laughs> I just glanced at the, I've got the story, you know, up. Mm-hmm. And I was glancing, and it was making me laugh because the sentence at night, Hermione was sitting on the rear veranda. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just point <laughs> out? veranda. Veranda. It's a it's a back um It's like a porch it's kind like, of thing. It's, it's porch. Hi, it's me, Kippa. Um veranda's like from India and it shades the house, goes all the way along the back in the front. Like not like a porch, but bigger than a porch. Right. A veranda. I've I've got one at the back of my house. Yeah, big roof and shades that yeah, never mind. But here's okay. the thing. She's on the rear veranda, not to be confused with the starboard veranda, the port veranda, or the two forward verandas. But can I just ask this? Is the, There's actually only one veranda. The gazebo of the house has, like, six floors. There's, like, astronomy tower on the top of it. I'm like, do these people have, like, a shed from Home Depot or <laughs> they do nothing small? Well, in, like, the first, like, it tells you, doesn't it? Okay, its, it's size was impressive. 15 bedrooms, 13 baths. <laughs> Two dining rooms, porches, gazebos, indoor glassed-in gardens. Well, all I can picture is, like, you see that in the want ads, and you're like, oh, my God, I must buy this house. And then you go there, and it's like the house Rena looked at, it's just like the drug dealers just left, and the front door's broken up. And it's like, oh, my. But I don't, I don't mean to make fun of the house. There was more than no, that. No, it's an awesome house. house. Like, we're just in amazement. No, what house. would have been great? What was that movie? I can't remember. It was the, it was the kids who all went to summer school, and Kirstie Alley's in it. And, you know, their summer school teacher, they're all, like, they're complete, you know, wastes, and, and their summer school teacher turns them into something, and they all pass their tests, and they all do much better than they did before. And I don't remember what movie it was. It was a like classic 80s movie. Yeah, uh, that was called Summer School. Just, that was the name of the movie. 
at the beginning of the movie, this guy goes, he's in summer school, he's this big black guy, he goes in to, like, the men's room or whatever, and you never see him again, but then he comes out, like, at the end of the movie from the men's room, like, he's been in there the entire summer, and he gets a 90 on his test, and it's, like, this weird throwaway scene, it's, like, this random guy. I would have loved it if there was a seventh roommate who you never see, because all he does is work to pay the property taxes. That would be funny. <laughs> didn't happen, I'm okay with it. So, alright, that's all I get. Uh, you guys, grab Well, something. let's move on oh. to the next chapter. Let's move on to the next chapter. Okay, take it. Uh, you want to take it, Jen? Okay, I'm scrolling to chapter two. Aaron, would you like to take it? Sure. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, chapter two, the free delivery. And this is when the Justin brings the lunch to Hermione. Oh, right, yes. And it looks like a really good lunch. Like, there's iced tea and... <laughs> like, what the hell is up with that? He brings a picture back. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. the large platter of meticulously arranged <laughs> Can you picture him on his broom trying to get the <laughs> He's like a waiter with like the white towel on his arm. And <laughs> wow. Now, did y'all notice there there's some spelling errors? Yeah, there are. It needs to be rebated. It does. could be really awesome. I mean, it's awesome, but it could be really awesome if it would... The words are spelled correctly. If you'll remember me, the guy with three tires, I listened to it on my iPod, so I'm able to get past <laughs> yes. some of the um, some of the spelling errors. Um, and I like the cursing. There's like core and crikey, and then there's you yeah. know, I don't know what the core means. Bad, uh, I guess. I think it's it's like a minor uh, expletive, like uh, damn. I think. Hi, me again. Um, core. It's just an expression of surprise or wonderment, like like this. Oh, look at that. Okay. Well, there's definitely some Britishisms that make me laugh. Like, I, and there was one sentence where they talked about referring to the American accent as the clipped American <laughs> accent. And I was like, I don't think that I have a clip accent. <laughs> I just want to picture Jen talking to British people and see if they can understand each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like... Do we sound clipped? To me, British are clipped, not American. Well, I think it depends on which American accent you're talking about. If you're talking about like a a Western, like a Western Certainly accent, not. like more something that I would have, it'd be a lot more clipped compared to a, a British accent. You not so much, uh, but like maybe like more like myself and Ryan, who has more of a Bostonian accent. I'm just picturing like Amy from our forum, who's from England, just being like, uh, "Give me a call when you get back in, okay? Bye." Like I, I know. Just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't picture some things I just can't picture. But, uh, I don't know. Oh, can I just point out the fact, I didn't know who this new character of Laura was, and sometimes I get concerned with the OCs, because it's like Hermione's roommate, Diane, who we've never heard of ever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she was obviously very important to Hermione's upgrade. She was always in the other well, Laura is very exotic looking. Well, it's not only that. It's she's Australian. Scene. She's Australian. She is a tribal warrior. <laughs> Are you... Uh, <laughs> She's a, I'm sorry, a trial lawyer? <laughs> trial lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and they laughed and laughed and laughed. And we go back to, what, episode three with the yeah, Hermione? Yeah, old jokes are so fun to bring yeah. up. Oh, God. We have, it's bad when we have fan art about Jen's comments in the podcast. <laughs> can I just say one thing now? Because of that, I'm going to picture Aaron soon from, from Farscape every time I see Laura. But can I just say, I love the scene where 
where Laura <laughs> tries to cook dinner. Because here's the thing. Not only is George Alice from the Brady Bunch, he's the only person in the house who knows how to cook anything. So he's away. So Laura tries to cook something, and all I remember from the scene is, get down! And, like, the plastic goes everywhere. Explosion. And it's, like, it's, I cook. and it's, like, slipping down the walls, and she's like, okay, we'll order I'm pizza. pizza. <laughs> the lid, like, explodes off like a Frisbee. Yeah. It's well, crazy. and if this is the chapter, we find out what Harry does for a living, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Cho it is. spoils it. Well, well Cho, Cho spoiled it in chapter one as a, as a okay. cliffhanger. Well, it's interesting because this is also, in chapter two, we have a point of view switch from uh, Hermione, and then we get multiple uh, point of views in chapter two. Uh, I forget who the first one is, if it's Hermione or uh, George. It's Stella. Or it's Justin. Stella's point of view. No. <laughs> Stella! <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think the first one's Justin, and the next one's like Harry, and then it constantly switches back and forth. So I this like is the first that. time we really get to see the uh, the ID or the id or whatever you want to call it. And it's get to the see. Id. That's how you know it's pre uh, Wither of the Phoenix, because there's no ors at all. It's like Neville's a cop. <laughs> yeah, and enforcers. Yes, the enforcers. Well, I just love the but fact that... I think that... it's very imaginative, too. Well, it is. I mean, when you don't have the Ministry and the Aurors and Kingsley and all these particular characters, Mad-Eye and all these particular characters to work from, it's interesting to see that early in the fandom, what an author could come up with to explain, you know, who patrols, you know, the Wizarding Society. And I love the fact that Laurie stresses this is a really, really small society, which it should be if you go by the number of people at Hogwarts, you know, to the fact that, you know, 50,000 people is considered, you know, good... You know, a, a good amount for a subscription to a to a magazine. It's the equivalent, probably, of like five million people in our world. So it's at like one percent, like half a percent. So it's. It, I think she does a really good job at that too. Um, and I just completely jumped off of chapter two. I'm not sure where I just landed. That was unfortunate. But um, yeah, can I just point? I just want to say one thing about Harry's job. Now I said earlier on, that Harry is a unique choice for a spy. It's kind of like if Bill Clinton became a spy. Like, you know, he, he's, he's somewhat recognizable and Harry's somewhat recognizable. I love the fact that in the beginning, Cho knows. And then Hermione knows. Then Hermione's like, well, I guess it couldn't hurt, so she tells Justin. <laughs> and then all, they tell the whole house. And it gets to the point, like, later on, when Sorry is when Harry looks to Sorry at the Three Broomsticks as a three broomsticks and says, why didn't you come to me? Like, why didn't you find me? And I could have helped you. And sorry, <laughs> I was waiting for the line where sorry's like, I thought you were unemployed. Like, it's just <laughs> like, by the end of this, everyone and their brother knows he's a spy, except Neville, who's the detective, which was unfortunate. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's obviously not very good at what he Well, yeah, but he kept it away. I mean, he could have told them, but he chose not to. Right. I just can't put your hair exactly. undercover. It's the that's the classic Harry. He's trying to protect them by you yeah. Know, if if, if they know about it. Be. Well, the funny thing is, is like Harry wasn't like that in POA or in the first three books. Like he wasn't right. like stay away. I need to protect all of you. That really didn't come later until like <laughs> order After of the Phoenix. Cedric. Yeah. So I think it was very interesting and very insightful of Laurie to take that route with Harry. Um, granted, it's a very stereotypical knight in shining armor must protect my princess kind of thing. But it is, I think it was very insightful of her to kind of judge that Harry would be kind of that type of character. Yeah. 
because he definitely it, it wasn't stereotypical when this was written. It wasn't even canon when this was written. It wasn't canon. It's like an after the end when we're joking, like Harry was just being a jackass to everybody, <laughs> and and you know it was moody caplocks Harry, and we're all like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's stereotypical. Then we're like, hold on, when was this fic written? And it was written like months before it came out. I'm like, ooh, they're good. So it changes, yeah. your, it changes your impression of the entire thing. I would just like to add. I just had a thought. Maybe when you know, I know there's no polychuse yet, but maybe when Harry goes out on spy missions, he polychuses himself into Stella, and that's how he gets oh. away with it. <laughs> there's polyjuice, dude. Wait, there's not polyjuice, is there? But yeah, there, there is. Oh yeah, polyjuice is in the chamber. Chamber of Secrets. Oh, you're right. You're, no, you're right. You're right. But there's also they also can wand wave themselves or something. Yeah, they can glamour. Glamour themselves. Yeah, glamour. Now, I, we, this is chapter two is also the chapter. This makes me laugh. This first sentence I just stumbled across as two of his roommates discussed his career over a brown bag lunch meticulously <laughs> he slice. Um, Harry shows up with a deli platter. <laughs> this is like where we get to know Harry's work friends, which are more OC characters like Stabian and Remus. Mm-hmm. and Because mm-hmm. Remus Le- Lupin is so an OC. So. <laughs> well, no, you know what I mean. Like Electra and Lefty Argo. and Leland. And, Arc, yeah, yeah, I love, like, you, you come to care about these characters. And what I like about the fact that Harry, yeah, he's a spy and he's, like, the chief and whatever. Like, but he's not alone. Like, it's not like the, the wizarding world is relying on the household of teenagers. It's like all these people are, like, adults and, like, are super secret agents and, like, you know, ninja fighting military guys that are old. And, like, I don't know. I really liked it that Harry's just a part of it. I loved it, too. And I love the fact that when I – now, I can't remember. What's the woman's name, the head of the um, of the spy organization? Argo. Ar- what is it? Argo. Argo Pfeffenroth, one of the that's a yeah, great it's, uh, Lori just, you know, I want to say does a great job with names. Remember when when um, Justin and Hermione are talking about the time at Hogwarts? Cho wanted to get this guy, but the guy. Uh, what was the guy? It was like Kirby. Her, Kirby something. It's like Kirby. Kirby Storping Goiter. <laughs> it's like like Cho wants. It's like or the name of the Defense Against the Dark Arts. Professor, it's like cash in dollars. <laughs> like, what the hell is somebody saying? <laughs> cash dollar. Cash dollar. It's cash like dollar. he's an American. And then my goggles like cash dollar beat. She's American. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of speaking about the, these OCs. I don't know if it's just one too many. Uh, this is probably more for uh, Jen because she's read it a long time ago. Well, actually, it could be for any of you guys because obviously there isn't like POU the movie. But there when I was be. reading Argo, for me. I don't know if it's just because I watched too many Bond films. Is Judy oh, Dench? No. Yes, absolutely. I, oh, I, I couldn't get that, that out of my head. She, she's M. It's it's it works perfect. She's M. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could see Judy Dench in that. Well, here's the thing I loved about you know Argo arrives and like scares the ever living shit out of Harry, as I recall. And it's the only time in Harry's life he's like, "Excuse me, I'm Harry Potter," and she's like, "Who?" And he's like, "Who are you? I'm the head of a you know master intelligence network." <laughs> And you don't know who I am? No, Voldemort. I killed Voldemort. Oh, he died. It's like yeah, I heard about that. I'm like, this is like the dumbest woman in the world, and she's in charge of like she's the head. It's like the U.S. government. It's like the intelligence organization doesn't know anything. It cracked me up. Well, how did you know? Like, how did you come to find me if you don't know me? Your name came up on the terror deck. I'm like, 
the what? I thought that was a really cool idea. It, it, mm-hmm. Every once in a while in fan fiction, they put in these, you know, these concepts that are part of the magical world, and it's like, you know, the, they, they have some excuse as to why they never showed up in the canon book. Like, we just developed it last week. But, you know, they, they throw these things in there. I thought that was a really interesting idea. And it, it's based off the technology or the magic that allows McGonagall to tell when the magical children in, in Great Britain are born. And it, it, it chooses the best intelligence agents. And I like the fact, number one, I thought that was a great idea. Number two, I thought it was great that Harry found Remus Lupin and brought him back into the mix. And it was interesting because when you, you know, he wasn't in Goblet and he obviously had a big part in Prisoners. So this is the same amount of background material as they have when they wrote, say, After the End. I mean, you don't have, you know, order to really flesh out Lupin a little bit more. His character... very different from Prisoner. He was very subservient to Harry. He even remote uh, jokes at one point, you know, that he used to be the professor. And it almost reminds me of, like, Get Smart, where Harry's the chief and he's, like, and he's, like, coming, boss. And loving it. But I did sound that it... No, I didn't see that, like, it, it didn't feel like he was Alfred or anything. Can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? I'll get drive through. You know. A little bit. He he was very grateful to Harry for saving his life, and he was very, and he was very devoted to Harry. But he didn't seem to be the village elder anymore. He seemed to be, you know, like he was homeless, almost starved. He was almost stoned to death, you know, when Harry finds him, and he like his character didn't come across to me as. Professor Lupin. He came across as a supporting role, which I thought was an interesting role reversal. And maybe he comes back. Because at the end of POA, like he has to leave right. because he would accept right. him. Like that's a really, yeah. I would, I would say that that was a really good outcome to think about. Well, if you think about it, at the end of POA, all you know about him is that he spent one year as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and he was friends before. You don't know anything about what he did before or since, and it's been, again, 13 years for you know the character to, to change and develop. So. Yeah. It's just an interesting um, bookend to show, you know, other than Dumbledore, he's the only real father figure in the first three books that Harry has, and to see, you know, a few years later, Harry has done so much that... Harry has become almost like the quote-unquote, you know, dominant role in that friendship. I just thought that was very interesting. I really like that perspective, especially since you didn't have Order of the Phoenix to work with when that was written. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Jen's like, okay, yep, stop talking. No, I'm excited. (laughs) A little bit. Okay, so can we get to the point now where Harry drops dead? Bubbles. What do you guys think? (laughs) Bubbles. (laughs) The bubble bubbles. Love the bubble bubbles. I thought they were very creative. They're yeah, so fun. I want one. Probably could have, probably could have used some of the Hogwarts with those stupid, you know, changing staircases. They need them in the damn house. Could you it's picture like Snape? Internet? Could you imagine picture Snape visiting and just popping his bubble? <laughs> no, he'll just yell at it and storm away. And the bubble will follow him, and he'll be like, quit following me! There was a Next Generation episode of Star Trek. Are you watching Star Trek? Where um, Troy's mother comes in the ship, and she forms a relationship with Worf's son, Alexander. And they go on the holodeck, and there's these little bubbles that float around oh. with, like, clown faces in them. And they make all these goofy expressions, and, you know, Loxana Troy laughs, and Alexander laughs. And Worf comes in the holodeck, and he pops it like a balloon. <laughs> Just reminded me of that. I don't know. <laughs> I think Klingons are gross. <laughs> Klingons are awesome. I have Klingon comments in here somewhere. As we get deeper into this, I have some Klingon um, 
suggestions for everyone. Okay, who wants to uh, grab it from here? There's so much to talk about. I'm having to look at my notes. I was going to volunteer Robert. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Hey, he's he's learning very well. Uh, oh, we were talking about Harry passes out and dies. Yes, he passes out and dies. And can I just say, when the note arrives at, you know, at Wayne Manor, they get the note. It was a little <laughs> awkward to me. Like, Hermione gets the note, and she reads it. She's like, hmm, hmm. Mm. Now, obviously, she <laughs> probably sus- like she doesn't Mm-mm. obviously know until she gets to to the hospital that Harry is in fact still alive. You know, please cancel the cremation, and you know she but she probably doesn't get that like when you know she you know he could have fallen off you know the back of, he could have fallen out of her office window. He went to visit her and he tripped over the deli platter <laughs> and fell off the forty third floor and died. I mean, she doesn't know yeah. he's in he's in a coma. So it's like you know you get the note and she's she's reading the note. She's like hmm hmm hmm, and everyone's like well well what is it? She's like, oh, Harry's dead. She crumbles it up, and, and that's end of chapter. I'm like, she doesn't seem too broken up over that. It's like, oh, Harry's, oh, crap, Harry. It's literally, it read like, oh, crap, Harry died. Well, maybe she just automatically like, assumed. Well, that- did y'all think that Voldemort was, like, immediately back? Like, is, is, because to me, when I read it, and he was, like, grasping at his scar and screaming, I was like, oh, no! Yes. Mr. Boo! Yeah, that's what I think that she was trying to set up for the whole, the whole thing of us, uh, the concept that, that Voldemort might be back. Can I just say one thing? Could you imagine Hermione? She gets the note that says Harry's dead, and she's like, "Oh crap! I lo- Ron's dead. Harry, everyone's dead. I have this entire house. No one to help me vacuum." So she heads down to the hospital. Could you imagine if she got there? And she's in the Mercedes on the way over, and she thinks to herself, "You know what?" I bet he's in a coma, and and they all, and you know, this was, you know, we knew this could happen, I'll snap him off, and you get there, and they, like, cremated him, or they did an autopsy, you're like, oh, shit. So I was afraid that they were going to have him, like, with his chest all nasty and open, like, on bones. Kind of kind of like Claire in Heroes. Yeah. Yeah! Ugh. Jam was afraid it would ruin any potential sex scene if there were scars everywhere. That would just be revolting. <laughs> Well, what I thought when she says this, she, she sighs, crumples the notes, and she's like, Harry, it's Harry, he's dead. I was like, it's like, the word missing from that, I was like, he's dead again. Like, it, like he dies all the time or something. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it sounded like to me. Oh, I don't he can't stay alive for two seconds. Like, damn it, Harry, you're dead again? <sighs> yeah, it was, it, just, it was just very confusing for me. And you know what would have been better if, okay, Harry obviously knew that he has this ability to, like, you know, put himself into a forced coma to prevent himself so from being first, overlooked. he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell anyone but Hermione. Well, it, but they, they do comment on that. But, but the thing is, is that you would think he would have, like, a note in his wallet, if I'm dead, <laughs> call Hermione <laughs> Granger. 555 <laughs> And it, like, rings her cell phone in the Mercedes, and she can come over and check it. Before you cremate me, call 555 <laughs> like, have those diabetes medic breaks. He's like, sometimes I pretend to be dead. <laughs> and Voldemort reads it, and he's like, oh, really? Like, I think that would have been fun. It's like the only reason Hermione figures it out is they send, like, old scary guy from Back to the Future who, like, delivers the note from Doc Brown. They send, they send him to the house to be like, Aries, they, they, they like pat, they send him to the. He's like the scary dude. They're like, you're not the pizza delivery driver. He's I like, know. I have a leather. And it's uh, they just crap. What made me up. laugh was she's examining him, right? Yep. And she's like looking at his, you know, moles and his ear. And then she's like, Well, we made it so that no one, unless they were trained to look for it, could find it. But it doesn't ever tell what she found. It's just like she found his head. 
Could you imagine if know. she like looked down his pants and she's like, just checking. This has absolutely nothing to do with it. Has absolutely nothing. Just making sure everything's going well. It's, it's like in uh, uh, Holy Grail when uh, Galahad goes to the castle of Anthrax and the, the the women are like checking him and they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like the scene from Farscape where John takes over Aaron's body and the first thing he does is unzip her top and, and bounce up and down for like 20 minutes. He's like, they, look, they jiggle. But it's exactly well here's the thing if you could force yourself now it's not like if you're captured you can put yourself to sleep it's like an over it's like literally having a circuit breaker you know it pops out in the event of you know imminent death would you really want it to be that much of a secret that you're still alive in the event they bury you <laughs> like it's like you have to really look for it and you could miss well, she it even says like you wake up in a coffin and he's like yeah yeah whatever but when it happens, he will remember what she... Oh. I, I even have my note here when he passes out the second time and she comes back from her date with Gerald, the encyclopedia salesman. Like, like you know what? The, the good news is they didn't bury him under the large oak tree in the backyard. I just like that her dress is like this big purple... It's Dumbledore's pimp suit from Half-Blood Prince. I know! <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. Yet another foresight by Lori. And Justin's like, you look fabulous. So, I don't know. <laughs> time that Harry notices, he's like, what am I feeling? <laughs> then he looks down at his crotch. She's like, what is this? <laughs> Sorry, that was inappropriate. I apologize. Yeah. No, that was good. podcast. Oh, God. No. No, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm good for one erection joke every podcast. I hit my, <laughs> I hit my limit here. But if it's two, you got to give it up to the restricted section. All right, we'll so do that. I think of Gerald, because he reminded me of someone who had too much plastic surgery. <laughs> Gerald? No. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Gerald. He's like shiny. <laughs> no, Gerald, I hate to say it. I don't care what description Lori put in there. Gerald is like, a, he's George Costanza's build. And he's this stout little balding guy. Like I, like I know that's not how he's written. I know you know he was like, like you could picture him with a trophy wife, but he seems like this little dweeby guy who's like staring. Like I'm picturing the scene where he comes over the house and he's sitting in one chair and Harry's sitting in the other chair and he's sitting there like he's looking all around the room trying not to make eye contact with Harry and then Harry's like glaring at him with an evil look in his face like I will kill you with my eyes. Like I just I don't know. I just... Well, he was trying to get Harry's, like, okay with everything, and Harry was like, I'm not her father. I don't care who she dates. And he glares at him for, like, five years. Evil glare of death. <laughs> and then they're driving in the Mercedes, and, Her- and Gerald's, like, looking in the rearview mirror. Do you see that Jeep behind us? Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun? <laughs> don't mind him. He's a train spy. He's riding their bumper the whole way into town. <laughs> oh, God. But I, do, I just do want to say this. One thing I really liked is when you read it, for me to read a Harry Hermione fic, or any other type of fic, if you go ahead 10 years, you can't have Harry like he was in school. But if you make him too different, he's not Harry. Like, who wants to read about 72-year-old Harry Potter trying to take his back pill? <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's a different character. So I like the fact that Hermione even references, this isn't my Harry. This isn't the Harry 
I grew up with. This isn't the, the you know the, the lanky boy I knew. This is a man, but it's who Harry became. And I like the fact that she acknowledged that they're all different people, but they're all still the same to some capacity. And the old Harry is gone. And I, and I like that. I like the fact that she acknowledged what I was thinking, that the old Harry must be gone because the old Harry must be gone. And I thought that was just an important point to make. I like that line that, what does the line say? There was that one line that I really liked, and I, let me see if I can find it real quick. Okay. Line I, that one chapter, that one fic, you know, yeah. that line. No, 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 I highlighted it. Hold on. He's catching on to Jen's madness. I like that. <laughs> I, well, I can't say that. And can I just point out, too, so I, I just do want to love that. I know I'm jumping a little bit. This is after the point where Harry uh, figures out, <clears throat> you know, obviously um, Leland has been tortured, and he's saying, sorry, 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 sorry. Tamathab, or whatever it is. Exactly. And, you know, like, I can picture Harry's notes. He only seems to apologize and say, bath mat in reverse, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Did you get that first? How do they... No, he doesn't, but Harry's a trained spy, so I will assume he caught it. But How I did your sister translate that? Bath to bath. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is it phonetic? Is it common spell? But anyway, Harry goes down to the ministry. Argo's his boss, right? Argo? Argo. Yeah. Look at me. I got one. Head of id. Yes. So he goes down to headquarters. Now, we have established that Argo is an intelligence genius. She is. She has her finger on the pulse of what's happening. And he gets to the security guard. He's like, let me in. The security guard says, no, I can't. Harry's like, the future of the world depends on it. And yeah. the security guard's like, do you have an appointment? And Harry lifts <laughs> his fringe to show the scar. I am. And the, intelli- and the security guard at intelligence headquarters says, ooh, that looks nasty. How'd you get that? It's like, is everyone in this building an effing idiot? Like, do people read the papers anymore? Oh, well, I can't find the sentence, but yeah, yeah, that is a great line. Well, have we talked about the swing dancing yet? Where? No, oh, Jen. That, that's later. Jen. Oh, is that- no, we have to talk about the swing that's dancing chapter four. We have it's to talk. favorite line ever is George looking up at Harry and going, Potter, it's Harry Potter, or whatever. Now, I want to point out, I'm going to read to you my notes from the swing dancing section. Thank you, Jen, for bringing this to my attention. You're welcome. Now, the thing is, in every fic, you know, take the, you know, the Psychic Serpent trilogy, for example, Hermione is a cellist. No, wait, wait, somebody plays a cello is a what? Cellist? That's, that's a yeah, cellist. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. in the Psychic Serpent trilogy, Hermione is a cellist. Just randomly, it never came up in any of the fix, but nor did Harry go to the bathroom at all in seven years, so we can let that go. <laughs> So every fic, sometimes they try and put their own mark on the characters. Perhaps Ron is great at electrical engineering, and perhaps, you know, George can cook. You know, what will they come up with next? So these are, these are my notes from that part of the section. Laura and Justin swing dance like they're having grand mall seizures. <laughs> no, they don't. They are just a little... That is a line from the fic, Jennifer. Stop yes, it defending is. it. I think that they're cute, that they try. My next comment... But then Hermione's ring Doc Martens, which I like. Well, she they were in the trunk of the Mercedes when she bought them. It's like, buy one, get some Doc Martens. <laughs> and they just happened to be her size. So my next thought was, the house has a goddamn ballroom in it now? It does. Why not? Yes. Now, here is the set up for the scene. Hermione and Harry took up swing dancing because Hermione had student loans and Harry's money was tied up in CDs. (laughs) 
like he's filthy rich. He has the biggest galleon in Gringotts, but he absolutely has no money because it was all tied up in, in investments. So during his and Hermione's lean years, when they didn't have a lot of free cash before they bought Wayne Manor, they swing danced a lot. I'm like, hmm. They danced in a place where everyone knew their name, to which I said, WTF, it's Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> Eight paragraphs later, they're entering competitions. Oh, God, there's a box of trophies. Oh, God, they're in a music video. Oh, God, she's wearing swing dancing shoes. Yes. I didn't know there was swing dancing shoes. Apparently there is, so... Um, yeah, there is. They're called character shoes, and they're skin-colored, and dancers wear them, like the boring dancers, and, like, in the cabaret, and, yeah, there is, like, dancing shoes for real dancing in. Just thought I'd let you know. You know, I'm picturing Harry and Hermione swing dancing, and as they swing dance, they look into each other's eyes, and Harry will see something there he never saw before, and she'll forget that there's anyone else in the room, and they'll tear each other's clothes off. I was so afraid that was going to happen. Luckily, they hung out for, like, a couple more chapters, which was, I thought, helpful. It's a really cute scene, and I like how Lori rides the dance. <laughs> Just for the record, Ryan, you did forget a note that you wrote regarding the uh, swing dancing. What note would that be? The okay, they're high-fying and calling each other roomy. If they fell in love dancing, I'd open a vein. I think I may have. <laughs> that is absolutely accurate. I did write that. I will sign my name to that. If, it, if they went in that direction and they fell in love, you know, I'd be like, okay, this is a wonderful four chapters. Moving on to our next pick. But, and then the book out very well. I just gotta say, I do love the line where they're saying, we're trying to learn to swing dance, and Hermione says, how, by trial and error, and just how badly they must have been dancing at that moment. Now, I was waiting for the line, George, you're a wonderful, I'm sorry, it was Laura and Justin, right? Laura and Justin, yeah. Okay, thank God it wasn't George, because it could could open with George, you're a wonderful chef. Really, you're a wonderful chef, your chicken is wonderful, you can't dance. Well, he can't do everything, now can he? <laughs> that's exactly that's, right. That's true, he's not Harry, he can't do everything. Now, what did that's everyone think of when Hermione goes to Hogwarts? McGonagall can instantly tell Hermione does not like her job because she's not being annoying and talking about it every five seconds. What is with McGonagall writing Hermione like, I hear Harry's a dark wizard lately. Can you talk to him about that? <laughs> P.S. I don't think he's on the dark side. I think he is going over the top trying to kill all the dark wizards, and I am very concerned. Please feel free not to bring this attention. Please feel free to ignore this. Please feel free not to mention to me anything you do with his leather. Please do not feel compelled. And I'm like, why did you bother writing the damn letter? <laughs> like it's just I, like it's like it's like my mortgage. It's like trying to read the damn letter. I'm like McGonagall, cut to the boy. So yeah. I can see I can see McGonagall, you know, keeping in touch with her favorite, who is frequently described as her favorite student in Fix. You know, I, I can see her keeping in touch with Hermione, especially if she heard something. If she knew Harry and Hermione were living together, and she heard something about Harry being a dark wizard. You know what would have been great in that? Everyone on the planet thinks that Harry and Hermione shag every night. See that shag? I'm going British on everyone. You know, everyone mm-hmm. thinks they're having sex. When you have loved a part in McGonagall's line saying, you know, Hermione, the next time you're in bed with Harry, could you possibly mention to him the fact that, you know, I think death either and just see what he says? <laughs> I Hermione asked Harry, she's, do you realize that everyone thinks that we shag regularly? And she's like, what? So she asks the mailman. Like, she asks everybody and everyone's like, yes, that's why I thought it would have been great if McGonagall thought so too. 
Like that could have been great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, she should have asked McGonagall. That would have been hilarious. Do you think Harry and I, you know, you know? I love how I say it three times, Jen doesn't respond, and she makes the comment, and everyone's like, oh, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So what's next? I'm shutting up. I've been talking for uh, half an hour. Are we, are we still in Chapter 4 here, I think? Yeah, I'm kind of confused as to where we're at. Welcome to Harfic Weekly. Okay, what happens after the swing dancing? They start dancing. They quit dancing. He realizes that sorry oh, is Oh, that's Laurie's sorry. Boyfriend. The whole sorry plotline. We haven't talked about that at all. Go for it. Yeah, okay, I oh? had a question. So, well, we did talk a little bit about the uh, bath mat thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably easy for us to figure out because it's written out, but we don't know how Leland was pronouncing it, so maybe he didn't pick up on it just instantly. Well, you have but. to realize, too, you're in the confinement area. And he's saying something, and you're not going to, like, call your boss at 3 in the morning to say, I think it's bath mat spelled backwards. That's so, nice. Back they to- were saying it was Tam Hatab. And they were like, what is that? <laughs> it's bath mat. Obviously. Because, you know, I didn't get that it was mat- bath mat until they were like, it's bath mat. And I was like, oh, I feel really stupid. I don't know. When I first read the fic, I was like, okay, what could this be? And it's like, the first thought for me was, oh, let's switch it around. And, hey, wait a minute, that's bath mat. People are much brighter than that's I. That's a very good it, technique for when you're tr- trying to figure out a name that looks weird. Jen, when you did I am Lord Voldemort, you spelled it out to make I sure. Know, really- I know. I know. There's no, I have no reason. All right, good, okay. But, okay, so, sorry. So, Laura yeah. had her boyfriend named Sorensen. And we find mm-hmm. out. That she calls him sorry, even though she's called him sorry pretty much throughout the entire fake. So, Harry suddenly goes, what do you mean sorry? And she's like, yeah, sorry, my boyfriend, the guy I talk about all the time. And he's like, oh, man, I know that name. So, anyway. Does, he, like- have a, does he have a bath mat by any chance? I, think I'm using <laughs> like he's the- I don't know. I felt like he was a little slow here. He's the um, head of the spy department. How could, how could Harry have not heard the name sorry before? I know. Laura, I don't know. It's a common word for apologies. Like, he automatically thinks, what if it's a guy's name? Like you can- uh, although, you know, uh, I can understand why you'd want to be name yourself sorry, because, you know, Sorensen sounds like a name for, for somebody who would get picked last in football, too. Yes, that's they're true. Like, I'm mm-hmm. and they're like, I know you are. Well, I thought Harry was having, like, you know, a mood disorder in that one. I'm sorry, what did you say to me? <laughs> You're picturing Harry in swing dancing gear, like, doing it. You're like, what? <laughs> now, when Laura explains the changeover and how that works. I thought was really interesting. What did y'all think? Yeah, I think, well, it's an odd process. I didn't understand what her magic seemed to be more organic. I wish that Lori had elaborated a bit more because I didn't understand what that meant. Like she grew her magic or it was more clean. Well, it sounds like something from another fandom because doesn't, isn't, the, mm-hmm. you're saying the name of the, of the other story is changeover. Can I just ask one question? Yeah. Now she is visualizing. Now, first of all, let me just read to you my note from the scene. Sorry's mother and grandmother turned Laura into a witch in the bathroom. That's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I somewhat like it. She's visualizing what she's seeing and that's why she sees the words. Does her bath mat actually say bath mat on it? See, that's what I was going to That's what I was going to say. It's like, like who buys? It's like the stupidest bath mat ever. She it's says, the muggle. It's the mat. wizarding bath mats. They all say it. What? Of course. I don't really? know. I don't even know why a wizard would need a bath mat. Can't they just act you know, dry themselves with a spell, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> Can you picture you like your wand turns into this giant like <laughs> suction hose? <laughs> and they, oh, I'm sorry, I just thought of a really great one shot. I have to go right, but um. 
Uh, it does involve oh. wands turning into suction hoses. It does. I'm it sorry. Does. We can't talk about that. That just comes across dirty or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the sentence, you know, his mother and grandmother turned him into turned her into a, a witch in the bathroom was kind of. Why were they in the bathroom? Was my question. Well. Did they not like seriously think about this? This house has a room for every occasion. They could have the changeover room in this house. No, it like, didn't happen at the mansion. Well, I know that, but how small must this house be that like they're cramming into the bathroom to like turn her into a witch in there? Like it's like I don't know. Is there an actual? I don't even think like in the future we find that there's an actual reason why it was done in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like it's ridiculous. I don't know. Like maybe I could be wrong, and I didn't really think about this the first time I read it. But perhaps it's just Lori retelling the events of what happens in the book that that Laura and Sari come from. So I'm pretty sure if you would probably were to go ahead and read that book. That those answers would answered for you. If anyone has read this book, let us know what is the meaning of the bathroom. Well, see, she's in the bathroom because. Before they do the ceremony to change her over, they shut out the world and she has to get relaxed. And so she has a bath in the bathroom. And then she sort of reverses herself because she's changing and that's why bath mat's written backwards because she it's a reflection of herself when she's changing and they do all the ceremony. But that's why it was in the bathroom. That's why bath mat's spelt backwards because everything is a reflection of herself in, in the thing. So that's why. Well, can I just say, I know Robert and Aaron can back me up on this. I never figured out why women always go to the bathroom at the same time. I'm sure there's some type of social process going on there. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, the, you know, it, it's when you're dating your boyfriend and, you know, her mother and grandmother, his mother and grandmother say, hey, can you come into the bathroom with me for a minute? You're like, hmm. And then you hear screaming and people are screaming bath mat. Like, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of odd. It's not odd. It's just. What Jen, it's odd. It's odd. Bath no, like if, if they're screaming bath, bath, bath mat. <laughs> well, the screaming bath mat would be a little odd. Now, can I just say one thing, too? Quinn is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, correct? Her name is Quinn. Right, who's an American? Yeah, Quinn, the American okay. blabbermouth. Quinn Cashall. Now, you have to understand, so Harry is, he's not only the head of the international... He's the chief. He's not, he's not the head of the intelligence community. Harry is both a spy and a department head. Now, he's the most recognizable person in the planet, but apparently he wears dark sunglasses and cheese blonde wig. And now, okay, so we start off with Cho knows he's a spy. Cho tells Hermione. Hermione tells Justin. Everyone seems to know now that Harry's a spy. So Hermione goes to her symposium and meets Quinn, who is, you know, a big name in the intelligence community. And Quinn's like, oh, you know Harry's a spy, right? Oh, shit. Did I just say that? Tell me you knew. Like, how is it possible anyone doesn't know he's a spy? Everyone and their brother, like the mailman, knows Harry is a spy. Does this seem odd to anyone else? I think so. But I like how he explained it, that he didn't want to tell her. I mean, he had to have his safe haven. haven I love that. And her finding was it. Like, I just thought it was very romantic. I thought that was really cute. I just think it's a, from the plot. I just think it's a miracle that no one figured it out by then. Like, everyone seemed to know, and it was common knowledge. I mean, I, Well, I think in the regards to kind of what you've been talking sense. about with, uh, like, it would be very difficult for Harry to be a spy because everyone knows who he is. But I think we're looking at it from the quote-unquote muggle perspective. We have to look at it from the magical perspective where things such as 
Polyjuice Potion exists. Glamours exist. So Harry has sure. the ability to, like, I guess when he's in the field, uh, he's able to disguise himself significantly to where he can actually do his job. So I think it's just a matter of hiding the fact that he is a quote-unquote spy. I think he can hide himself in the field quite well. Plus, uh, you know, Harry's got a lot of trademark kind of parts of his his look. You know, he's got the scar, he's got the, the messy black hair, he's got the glasses. You take those three things away, he, you, you know, he could be a regular guy. And he's a hero. And a hero. Yes. And he drives a Jeep. That's a manly mm-hmm. thing. Manly. Mm, I've always wanted a Jeep. Did not like the Jeep. Oh. The Jeep is weird. Well, I'm picturing the scene from um, The Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. I'm picturing Harry and Hermione racing down, like, you know, the road to get back to the castle first because there's only one extra parking space left. And it's like, duh, 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 and Harry's driving up. He's, like, off-roading, and I, I don't really know why I'm going there, but I went there. You did. I did. It was, a- it, was it was unusual. I'm not sure why I did that. Oh, well. There's but, yeah, I mean... Be a reason. I'm trying to remember something about Cash Dollar, but then I realized it was in a later part of the story, so I'll be quiet. Can we talk about when Hermione goes to visit Harry at the Intelligence Division, and she totally, like, breaches security? It's not like, I followed you to work. It's like, I planted a homing device on you, and I triangulated your position using, you know, one of the satellites in orbit, and I was able to apparate in directly below the war. Like, like, why couldn't you wait for me to tell... Like, I just thought that scene was really creative. It's like, Hermione totally breaks down the front Mm -hmm. gate and gets past everybody who apparently has never heard of Hermione, so... Yeah. Well, I just find it odd... Two things. One, that the most powerful intelligence community in the wizarding world was easily foiled by someone who has, quote-unquote, no intelligence, like, training whatsoever, and totally duped, like, Harry. And then two, kind of talking about the whole homing talisman type thing and being able to hone in on him. Like, she can do it perfectly easy here. But at the end of Chapter 9, it, like, it takes five people to do. It's like... Uh, what happened? Kind of confusing, but unless she had the entire household helper with this particular situation. It seemed like it should be reversed, yeah. It's like like Harry's in front of the house walking towards the starboard gate, and they're like, we can't find him anywhere on sensors. (laughs) And they're like breaking into Fort Knox, and they're like, I have easy access, we can go at any time. Yeah, that that was one of the things that kind of caught me as I did this reread for the show. I'm just going by my notes, they're somewhat in order. Jen, you've been quiet for a while, do you have... Jen. Did she go AFK? Unannounced AFKs are not acceptable. She's probably going to be like, I have morning sickness, Jen. Pulling in five minutes, Jen. Get back here. Get ready for blessings or buffs. Jen. (laughs) I'm pregnant. I have to go pee every hour at least once. And I don't want to make an announcement to a big group of boys that I go pee every few minutes. Sorry. It's all right. Now, would you like to respond to my last comment? Sure. Just say yes. Just say yes. Yes. All right. What is the last comment? Who the hell remembers? Jen, take it from here while you're here. I've been here. I just left for like two seconds. Well, you could get nauseous at any time, so get your points in. Where are we going from here? Let's talk about the deck. What? The tarot deck? Oh, I thought you meant the deck on the house. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like the deck. I think that it's a really cool idea because I like that she took the idea of the letter thing at Hogwarts. I, and ma- I think I made this comment during your last yeah, you, yeah, you have. Did you really? We discussed oh, no, this. It's nice to know you listen, Jen. I love you too. You know, 
I want to I want to add something. That you can totally... That's not fair. What's that? I just want to add something to this bit of conversation. I find it funny that Laurie invented the Goblet of Fire before Goblet of Fire. I know. Well, it wasn't the Goblet because, of Fire. It was the Goblet well, well, of... It, well, think about it, because the Goblet of Fire takes a group of people and then picks a champion who is the most like qualified person for the job, just as the, the deck chooses from a group of people who is the most qualified person to become a member of the intelligence agency. Compared to the list that writes down every single magical child, the deck is making the choice compared to the list is just recording data. Because I mean, isn't it the same? Doesn't it record certain attributes that are necessary in an intelligence agent? I I don't think so. I think I think it just it just it chooses people. It chooses people for the jobs. Yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't tell them anything but their names, as, as if I remember correctly. No, but I just, thought I thought it, it had like, for example, um, the Gonagle's book can determine who has magical whatever in them. You know, these people have magical genes or whatever. So I thought that the character could read. You know, these are the people who have you know these five skills in abundance that would make them great intelligence agents, which obviously worked very well in, in you know, in, in the case of, you know, the head of the agency who didn't know who Harry was. I'm just <laughs> You're bitter about that, aren't you? I was, I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I'm the head of the intelligence agency to look at Harry Potter. Who are you? <laughs> so, well. But even Harry himself said that, that he found out later that she was an administrator that didn't really get out much, and when he told his Hitlers, they're, like, laughing their, their butts off that, that she didn't know who she, he was. Hitler's yeah, so. dead? <laughs> you, can just, you can just picture Argo in her inner office, like, surrounded by mountains of paperwork constantly, and, like, every so often the deck spits out a car, and so she actually gets to get out of the office and do something. She picks, like, up, her, she, she picks up her phone, get me the Soviet Union. It's just like... <laughs> He's just sort of very into what she does, and doesn't have a, a good grasp on the real world. Yeah. Are we at the part where Harry goes into ninja fighting mode yet? Uh, we, are, <laughs> we, are, we are not yet there, but thank you for the spoiler. Jen, ninja okay. fighting. Jen's like, talk about, sorry. Oh, wait, is this where, shoot, I, I feel like I'm an idiot. Is this where Hermione takes off to go find sorry? Not yet. Um, this is or is that po- another? <laughs> that, not yet. We're at the point now where uh, Hermione breaks breaches security. Um, okay, which is really awesome that she found the secret place and she didn't have to try very hard. Exactly. It shows why they need her. Okay, what I don't understand. That, okay, really. Why can Harry hire Remus? But not Hermione, who obviously would be an asset to their thing. And he's I don't just, think he wants like, to hire her. Well, yeah, I know. Well, she's like, I really want a job. And he's like, yeah, go find... Well, something. it would basically be like working with your wife all the time. It's like, oh, I need my work. I, he's like, maybe I just need separation. Like, you know, George is very upset. Maybe it's one of those... No, nah, it's not one of those things. <laughs> he's got a, you know, relatively dangerous job. Maybe he wants to keep yeah. Hermione away from that. Bingo. I think it's a matter of keeping her safe in his opinion. Well, because if I, I don't she's think not it's like the field person, if she's like the scholarly behind the scenes stay at the place person, why not? And it's actually interesting. I'm just to go back to the scene itself, I found it really amusing that Hermione breaches, you know, Pentagon security and, and you know, arrives 
you know, at, at the underground bunker, and, Harry, and, you know, Harry has the guard on the phone who's very upset that Hermione is there because she, she, too, doesn't have an appointment. Like, you can tell this guy's losing complete control over his workspace. And Hermione mm-hmm. gets there. He's like, Hermione, look, ooh, library. And she's like, where, where, where's the library? And she, like, I just thought that was kind of amusing. Ooh, the library. Well, I found that unhelpful. Well, first, there's, like, the small elf woman who's very grumpy. Like, she has a very bad bedside manner, and she's very pompous to Hermione, and... Hermione says, well, what books do you have? And she's like, all of them. And she's like, what if I don't know the name of the book? Like, like that to me, that sounded like a really stupid system. Like, well, how do I know what book I need if I can't see the list? Yeah. Well, but you could put in the subject, I suppose. Is it like Google, I wonder? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that, like, on Angel, there was something similar to that. Like, you, you would just have yeah. to open a book and the- say what it is that you wanted, and then the book, the, the words would appear. Of whatever you yeah, wanted. That was really so, cool. I love I that one book. of those books. Leslie's my favorite character, by the way. Okay. Anyway. Oh, Jen, Jen, Jen. I'm six episodes <laughs> into it, and I think it's just so Leslie is an awesome great show. Jen's like, watch more Buffy, watch more Buffy, watch more Buffy, watch more Buffy. I know. I, I could Thanks. join her in that, Whitney. <laughs> Thank you. It's on my list of things to do. Well, let's actually talk about that, because we're getting um, you know, more deep, deeply in the story, and you see Harry and Hermione... I just want to talk about one thing. As we get deeper into the story here, you are seeing, you know, Harry become very jealous of Gerald, and he's, like, glaring at Gerald, and he's, you know, drilling into his skull, and unfortunately, moments later, Voldemort, or whoever, drills into Harry's skull, and he collapses, conveniently canceling Hermione's date with Gerald. I mean, if I were Harry, (laughs) seriously, the minute they left, he'd be like, oh, I feel weak, and I just collapse the ground every time she tries to go with another man. And now that I think about this, I'm not going to spoil it, but later on, when we find out more about Gerald and, you know, his job, I would have been really pissed if I was Gerald and Hermione had suddenly had to leave after I had had that party, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I have no freaking clue. You know what I mean? Like, that probably was a lot of effort. That'd be great. Then Harry wakes up, and he's like, what are you doing back here? And she's like, I rushed home as soon as I heard you were ill. Oh, could I have a drink of water, and could you fluff my pillow? Like, no, I say like, the line, Ryan. Which line's that? The, that's, that's the line when she was like, oh, I feel like giving you soup. And <laughs> Oh, do I have that on here? Where is that line? Yeah, that's the soup place where she was like, I wish I could wrap him in blankets and give him soup. Isn't it? The one line I just want to say from, from this scene is, you know, and, and sometimes I have a weird a weird mind. Sometimes I take things differently. Like, the more time I spend with Jen, the weirder I take things. Hermione wants to wrap Harry in a blanket and feed him soup. Kinky. <laughs> yeah, Jen tells me to read the line and everyone's like... <coughs> nice. No! Thanks, Jen. That was lovely. I'm going to do everything you say from now on. <laughs> well, it, it, this this sting was taken out of it since we'd already heard it. I think. That was the sting. Uh, unfortunately, I, I forwarded all my jokes to these guys so they could read up on them before the podcast in case they had any questions or concerns. But, so we knew when to laugh so it would make Ryan feel better that he actually could tell good jokes. Exactly. And then we, then we forgot that we were supposed to laugh. And, it's, it's, oh, okay. it's all Jen's fault. We tried again and we'll laugh this time, Ryan. Yeah. I, I, sure, I, go for it. Oh, you know what? I, I, I just can't do it now. But I do want to, we are, I just do want, do want to point out um, s- several things here. We're getting to the to the real big plot point of the story where Hermione you know, and Harry are having a heart-to-heart moment. And Hermione says, Harry, you killed Voldemort. And Harry says, not so much. And by the way, sorry is the new Lucius. And Hermione says, what the fuck? 
See, none of my jokes are working anymore. I give up. Jen, your turn. <laughs> well, she does say that, basically, though. Frankly, Where? what the heck? I can't scroll because my computer is frozen. Okay. Whatever. Stupid computer. Anyway. She, well, okay. During this, did y'all honestly think that Voldemort is coming back? I mean, what did y'all think about Harry's explanation about he's not really dead? He's just sleeping. He's just somewhat dead. We just we just lied. <laughs> it's the whole public right. relations campaign to make everyone think he's dead. Well, <laughs> then he won't have any power because no one will love him. I would be super pissed off because it's like everything Hermione is, you know, doing and saying. Harry's lying to her about everything. Well, that's his job, though, isn't it? Is he's got a Well, but she's Hermione. I was just gonna say I want to comment a little bit on the Voldemort death thing. I mean, you got to keep in mind that that was a huge, huge thing in fandom that we, a lot of uh, fan fiction authors had to totally make everything up in regards to as why Voldemort was able to come back and why he's able to stay alive. So, I mean, there was no Horcruxes back then. So I think it would be from their standpoint or from Lori's standpoint when she wrote this is that I think it could be a very good possibility that not even a Nevada Kedavra killing curse could kill uh, Voldemort, so wouldn't it be make a whole lot of sense that even if Harry were to vanquish the Dark Lord, that he could still come back? And well, he I never think never died that, yet at this point. He never came. Point. He never came back to die. I mean, yeah, he's not even. He hasn't even come back from from in the graveyard yet. This is even before that. Right. Now I'm slightly confused. No, I'm just saying is is like because Voldemort, like at the time of POA, Voldemort was still around. He hadn't like gotten his body back. Which is the major one of the major things that happened in Goblet of Fire. He was still so I, I guess this would be a wonderful thing to ask Laurie if you were to do get able to secure an interview with her, like whether in her perspective Voldemort had a body and he was he was able to vanquish her, him, or if he was still as Kronk just said Vaporwort. So I mean, we really I don't, don't know. Hmm, that's a good question. But she does say that that I mean, well, Harry says that he wasn't. He was undead. So how can you kill someone who's not alive? <laughs> that which has no life cannot be killed, yeah. I don't know. That's a kind of... But I didn't... When I was reading it, I did not picture it as Vapor vapor Voldemort. Well, I forgot that he hadn't come back yet because it's so consistent with what happens after. I mean, it's so consistent with canon. I mean, you know, up until, you know, the presumed seventh year battle. I mean, it's... I believe he actually vanquishes Voldemort the day before the day after his Hogwarts graduation. I mean, it's, it's day very consistent. Yeah, day before, it's very consistent with the canon. And, you know, you forget, oh, hold on, if I go back and I see the day on which she wrote this, he kind of come back. Like, it just, it doesn't even occur to me because of where we are in the canon. Well, it's, there's so few um, pre-Goblet fan fiction that you, that you read that so it, it's, it's you, you assume all this stuff and it's like you read a lot of post-order order fanfic and you know, Sirius is always dead. And then you read a fic where Sirius is alive and it's suddenly, wow, I didn't think Sirius was alive. When did that happen? I actually forgot he was dead. No, I'm sorry. I forgot he was alive in Goblet of the Fire. So when I watched the movie and Hermione's like, right to Sirius, I was like... <gasps> Okay, I'm not telling any funny stories for the rest of this podcast. Hey. No, obviously, no. Well, it's like Robert doesn't respond, and Jen's like, mm-hmm. That's not true. You, you, just, you just need more giddy fangirls to be on the show, Ryan, who love your jokes, and then it will work out perfectly Do for I you. Do have any available? Hold on, let's check the call list. Let's no. see. Let's see, yeah. Skype friends list. 
You're so funny. Oh, oh yeah, please, Jen. You have a fan club. <laughs> okay, can I ask a question? Now, we're obviously bouncing through these chapters tonight. Here's my question. The whole thing with George... And, like, I get the part that the bad guys are, are sending a message to Harry that they can they can experiment on them and they can take them at any time. So here's the deal. George goes to America, and everyone in the house says, where's George? And they say, George has gone to America. And they're all like, we're going to starve. And they're like, well, we'll have to cook something ourselves. And they stare at the kitchen. Mm-hmm. They're like, do you know when he's coming back? Because no one can cook except for George. And he takes ha- a stock soup after he comes back. Yeah, because that wasn't helpful. Because it's not like you're oh, okay. leaving some. I'm like, why did they just whatever that is? Yeah, it's I like make think- a microwavable dinner. Putting soup in ice cube trays. <laughs> did anybody else notice that? It's great in Coke. I don't mm-hmm. understand <laughs> what. It's like the There's- male gen. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't stand. They like saying I'm male gen. Wow, a little bit, Stop. a little bit. So here's my question. So George goes to America with Fred. Fred returns and says, and I quote, George disappeared in front of my very eyes. I think it was the end of a chapter. Yeah, it's the end of chapter five. Yeah. Yeah, Like, okay, the only way you could have gotten back that quickly was to apparate. So you apparate (laughs) from America to England to say in a very dramatic fashion, you just saw somebody disappear before your very eyes. Does that seem odd to anyone else but me? Well, no, it doesn't seem odd because I think what what, what Fred is talking about here is it's not like it's a hey George made the like obviously you can tell when someone's making the choice to apparate compared to when someone just pops out of thin air like just, yeah because like in order they get the white cloud around them and stuff well no, no, not even so much that but I'm just saying like <laughs> unless they were bad in which case they got a black cloud around them I mean, obviously <laughs> like let's say. <laughs> yeah, because her evil gun is black. Uh, I swear, filmmakers. The dramatic that, music in the background, though, that was a very telling sign, but continue. But I, I think that, like, for example, there's a difference between, like, all right, I'm leaving, I want to stand still and apparate, compared to, I'm in the middle of a conversation talking and walking with you, and all of a sudden, pop, I'm gone. Yeah. So I, I think that probably what Fred, like, the reason Fred was freaking out is more like the, he was in mid sentence when he disappeared kind of thing. Now, I don't know if he was talking around the, the, yeah, the context of it, but I think well, that it had to be something that when George disappeared, that Fred would have had to say, hey, this isn't normal, and hey, I need to go see the bunch of people who live in the Ballycroft because they obviously can help me or does something. Does that sound like a hotel? What it I does didn't sound understand, like a this made me laugh, was that they memory charm... Fred. Why? So that George can talk to Laura and Justin. And you I know, didn't get that. It's no, it is. <laughs> it's like when you read the scene, it's like it's like on like you know the Star Trek episodes with the shapeshifters or the the people you know Polyjuice. They're not who they appear to be. Are you watching Star Trek? Fred yeah. appears. George has been kidnapped, and then George walks in. Hey, everybody! And you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? And George and Fred's like, George, you're alive. Hug! And George looks at Justin. Justin walks over and, like, tasers Fred. And he's, like, on the ground, and he's, like, you know, it's like he's spasming, and he's, like, 
burping on the carpet. And they, and they wake him up, and he's like, oh, I, I need to get going. I, I don't know why I'm here. George gets in, and he leaves. And there's no explanation for why they shot Fred in the middle of the kitchen. Like, yeah, and, and, I, and I, the thing I love, and I think this is where you have to kind of suspend your disbelief here, or suspend your, I don't know. Anyway, um, that Justin, just by normally, by just getting a look, by like George just looking at him, Justin has de- uh, deducted that George wants him to memory charm him. Yeah, it's not like he's saying, "Can you make him a cup of coffee?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Take him out now." It's like, what? <laughs> like, how did how did Justin know just to randomly memory charm him? It's like, come on. Like- the death row symbol. Not like they're all in the Order of the Phoenix and they have secret identities, or may I add, it's not like they're spies or anything, but it's like, why would you possibly, like, why would you, sh- like, it made absolutely no... Well, that's, you know, it brings up some sinister questions. Do George and Justin go out and just, you know, do stuff and then have to memory chart people all the time? Can you repeat the first half of that sentence for me? It, it, it brings up a lot of sinister possibilities. I mean, George and Justin go out on night of town with a couple of dates, and they're like, oh, they do something, and then George gives Justin a look. He's like, memory trophies. <laughs> it could be very sinister. I'm sorry, could you back? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh... Yeah. I... <laughs> wow. Yeah, no. So the... That's right. We went there. Perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, can you, like, imagine... It's like Miss. It reminds me of Mr. Bennett from like from Euros. It's like every time something happens here, he brings the Haitian in and wipes his wife's brain. She's like drooling all over the place. It's like George caught like wind. Of, like Frank kids just wind of something. So they, like, you seriously, wouldn't you have thought he was a Death Eater or something? It's like. George, is George has been kidnapped. George runs into the room looking like he was just locked in the trunk of a car. Oh, George, you're alive. And George, like, glares at someone, and they're like, show them! Show them! I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, that it is just, a comparison. Like, okay, I, this is yeah. this is what, I'm going to read the exact line here, okay? Uh, <laughs> Justin shot, I'm sorry, George shot Justin a significant glance, and then looked back at Fred. I'm like, a significant glance? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> no, we're not going to make this perverse. No, can I just say another thing, too? It's can far I, too late for this. Can I just say, well, you know what? Let's. But before we do that, let me say one thing. Like, okay, how stupid do people have to be that it's like, say if you want, like, okay, um, for those of you who just read uh, Two Fix Ago, Coven of Echoes, there's a scene when Harry walks in, he's in the potions dungeon with, with Hermione and Ron and McGonagall and an OC who we believe is a Death Eater. So McGonagall realizes we need to get Harry out of here, away from the Death Eater, so I can talk to him. So she's like, Harry, would you like to come up to my office for dinner? And Harry looks dumbfounded. He's like, oh, yes, Professor, that sounds lovely. And then they turn and smile, like, very forced, and then they leave, and the Death Eater doesn't catch it. It's like, okay, you're in the room with Fred. So here's the deal. So Fred comes in, George has been kidnapped. George comes in, says, hey, everybody. Fred runs over, George, you're alive. Now, at this point, George is right there. Like, I'm just picturing George slowly turning his head towards Justin, glaring at him for, like, eight seconds, then turning his head slowly back and smiling, and Fred missing the entire thing. It's like, yeah. well, I don't know. Obviously, Fred was probably a little preoccupied at the time. In the, oh, 
in the future that Fred and George don't have the relationship that they did in the books. Well, obviously not. He was That's tasered true. shortly. There's some doesn't live in the house. If only he'd moved in. I mean, can I just have avoided that memory charm? Like I was speaking earlier about some um, some problems I have with dialogue. Like I have two examples here. At one point, Harry says the, fra- the following phrase: "I suddenly find myself with much to do." To which point I responded, I didn't think people talked like this anymore. And then at one point after George discovers he lost a day of his life, you know, because he mysteriously appeared on the gazebo. It probably took him a day to find the exit of the gazebo, but whatever. (laughs) And George, the Gerald George character of the fix is the following. (laughs) How am I supposed to know what long-term detrimental effects I will suffer? (laughs) (laughs) I understand it, though. It's not uh, It's not, not English. Well, I, I can understand it, too. Data on Star Trek said it just this very <laughs> evening. <laughs> to which point, I, wrote, I even thought to myself, you know, maybe after the death of Ron, you know, something happened to George, or perhaps he gave up the funny for Lent or something. Like, I couldn't figure it out. But then, in the next paragraph, she refers to his usual jovial expression. So I'm like, okay, he's supposed to be funny. That was just a bad line. Like, sometimes the dialogue just gets very clunky, and it doesn't sound like... It's how people write, but it's not how people speak. And there's some points, you know, getting through here where it just doesn't work too well, I thought. Yeah, there's a Mm. few words that made me laugh. There's one in particular that I was telling Robert about earlier and it was something like the door opened um what was what did what did I say or what the word button is? Robert's like I wasn't really listening. (laughs) I wasn't. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. Well she opens the door. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I really did highlight you should see my notes. Oh, the door snicked quietly open. Hmm. And Harry snicked in S N I C K E D quietly. I've never heard that. Snicked. Snicked. I uh making uh, sneaked from the dictionary to to cause something to click, like a clicking sound, like, yeah, just to sneak. Yeah. The door snicked quietly open and Harry poked his head in. Well, even, like, what I'm referring to is oh, that's the beginning of chapter one. Yeah. It's like, actu- like, I'm talking about actual dialogue. Like, for example, the following are two lines both said by George. The same character who says, how am I supposed to know what long-term detrimental effects I will suffer, also says, you know, until you said that, I didn't think there was much to the theory about about damage done to people who eat beef raised with bovine growth hormones. Like, like how is this the same person? It's like, like I don't know. Well, he's putting soap in ice cubes. I mean, soup. <laughs> George is going very well. He's actually putting detergent in their dress. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to kill everyone by, yeah, putting... Uh... Them anyway. George is like, hey, Remus, do you want me to make your wolfsbane potion? I have free time. Oh, thanks, George. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, he dies. But, um... <laughs> you know, I was, just, I was just thinking about, uh, real quick, is, you know, like, everyone talks about how such how such a good cook George yeah, is. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking along the same lines. <laughs> like, well, it's like... Great time to think that. Yeah, like that's what I was just thinking. I was like, maybe he's just. <laughs> he's the worst guy in the world. After like, ever, ever, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> oh. I don't know why this is so funny. I was just thinking because like everyone's sitting at the dinner table and then like everyone's like, man, this is so <laughs> so bad. And then. <laughs> It's the best story. Yeah, Jen, you're making me laugh. I don't know why. No, I was just going to say that uh, this is really stupid. But no, that George was like, that George is like, so the, everyone's like, man, this is so, so bad food. And then, like, George just kind of looks over at Justin and then gives him a quote, unquote, significant look. And then, that's the 
code. Every time I glare at you, I need you to perform a memory charm on everyone in the room. <laughs> well, no, then the scene when Hermione is talking to Sari, and Sari even makes a reference to the fact I have to put a lot of memory char- charms on people. I'm like, <gasps> I know what Justin does for us. <laughs> so Sari must know Justin. Like, what if George is, like, just looking at Justin, and Justin... No, like, Justin has a pimple, and George glares at it, and Justin shoots him. (laughs) He just returns random people around him. I'm laughing so hard, I'm crying. I don't know why. It's like, Justin always complains that he can't be, like, he's not, like, a real memory... You know, change it. Like, he's like the junior guy in the department, and he's pissed, so he just goes around shooting everybody on his spike. Really charming everyone just to, to prove himself to his boss that he could really be on the memory charm hit squad. You know. <laughs> Uh, not to not to totally change the direction of our our conversation because as much no, as I was laughing no. about this, is, we, I cannot believe we've been going this long talking about the paradigm of uncertainty, and none of us have mentioned Allegra. Well, can I just say something here? We have Allegra, and, and the scene starts, and she's this you know she's this very sensual, scary ass person who can apparently mm. move through time. And she serves her master, and she's got, and she even looks directly at Hermione and says, "Don't believe a word he says." To which Hermione responds, <gasps> "Everyone keeps telling me that." But you know what? It's like she's like, in, like I love Allegra. He's a spy. Thank you. I know. And you know, you have this wonderful scene, and then you know later on in the story, the two of them are spooned together, and they're like, "We've each slept with one person we haven't told the other about," and Harry's like. It was Ron, wasn't it? And Hermione's like, yes, I slept with him, and then he died moments later. It was terrible. And then, you know, Harry's like, I slept yeah. with a death eater. And they're like... <laughs> Allegra's evil, though. How could he ever sleep with her? Well, he didn't sleep with her when she was evil. He slept with her when uh, he, they were both training, or wait, he was wait. training. Let's think about this. Hermione sleeps with Ron, and mm-hmm. Ron is dead within hours. <laughs> Harry sleeps with Allegra. And she turns to the dark side. That was Harry's first time. Is yeah. it possible he was so bad that she joined the dark <laughs> side? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're perfect for each other. Good gracious. Okay, so, wait. We've moved on to where they've already had sex, and we're talking about that. We need to talk about... We, we haven't to... talked about crossing the line, have, it? have we? No, we haven't even gotten there. No, we haven't talked I just, about... I think we're all over the we place on this one. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about Kung Fu Harry. No, we haven't gone to Kung Fu Harry. Oh, yes, we did get to... Can I just say, Kung Fu Harry, like, I'm waiting for this. And it's like, Harry beats the snot out of this guy. And, like, Hermione, like, jumps in his back and is, like, beating him over the head with her purse. And they have this <laughs> entire fight in the middle. And I'm picturing, like, a crowd gathering outside the three broomsticks. And, like, no one does... And, like, and Hermione tries to use her wand, and Harry expelliarmuses it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's like the scene from Deathly Hallows, where if you mention Voldemort, you get, like, strung up. At, you know, Malfoy. You know, Laurie. He doesn't expelliarmus it because. No, he does. He expe- no, he expelliarmus is the uh, wand. No, I thought he said no magic. magic. No, against I- him, but he expelliarmus is the wand so Hermione can't use it because it goes like I'm over the fence or something. So, oh, okay. I love mm-hmm. the saving Harry moment where <clears throat> she, she gets smacked in the face 
and he screeches like a baboon. He gets a little angry. Mm-hmm. But I would be too. And I liked the romantic moment there. The one point I just want to raise about that is when it's over. Hermione's like, why didn't you let me use magic? And Harry's like, I can't use magic against him. He's a muggle. And that's why Allegra sends muggles after me, because I, she knows I can't use magic against them. It's not fair. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Allegra found a legal loophole to prevent you from defending yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, like, all I can picture from the entire thing is, like, if Harry uses magic, Voldemort is going to file a lawsuit. <laughs> like, that's the loophole. I can't use magic, they're muggles. Oh, damn, and Harry puts his wand down and fights them all hand-to-hand. Like, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, of all the things that Harry does, you know, defending himself from muggles, you think he would be able to bend the rules a little bit. He's, he goes out and he talks with, you know, people from the Dark Forces, and he, he disguises himself and you know, goes all over the world, you know, finding these dark wizards. Figure that one uh, body-binding curse on a, on a muggle isn't going to be the breaking point as far as people getting mad at him or something. Yeah. I mean, think of how bad this gets. Like, he has to, like, headbutt the guy. He probably has, like, ma- his head probably has a hole in it by the time this fight is over. <laughs> he, like, nearly is, like, choked to death because the guy has hands the size of Hagrid's. And the whole thing is over. He's like, mustn't use magic. It's just not right and i'm like oh in the way it's written it looks sounds like it goes on for just minutes and minutes of them of yeah. them fighting in the mud or something it's like it's... captain kirk and the gorn it's like oh my god <laughs> yes. he's like developing a rudimentary <laughs> rocket using some pebbles he found nearby and it's just are you watching star trek see here here's the thing i kind of i have an issue with Lori's concept of magical law and magical law or, or law against using magic against muggles. I think in, within the context of using mag- like let's say a random muggle just gets into a random altercation with you, then I think that using magic would be wrong because you would be exposing that muggle to the fact that they're, hey, there's magic and hey, I'm a wizard. But I think within the context of Allegra, who's a witch, hiring these goons who knows She's a witch and knows there's magic. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, if they know about magic, I think then you should be allowed to use magic on them compared to... Well, maybe she didn't let the... Maybe the muggle didn't know, but he's in Hogsmeade, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah. he's in Hogsmeade. Yeah, so he had to have known about... Well, you know what the thing is? It's not like Harry doesn't know anyone who can do memory charms or is looking for any reason to do memory (laughs) charms. Like, bring him back to the house and then, like, glare at Justin. (laughs) Like, like, problem solved. You don't even got to say that. Yeah, exactly. It's like they have to Care Bear stare at Justin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the memory charm stare. Oh, good job. Oh, poor Justin. Well, no offense, like, I hate to say this, but, like, you know, I'm picturing Justin at, like, gay clubs, like, trying to meet men, and, like, someone glares at him, he shoots him in the head, and Justin can't figure out why he's never going on dates. <laughs> Maybe it's like a post-hypnotic suggestion every time he receives it. He's going to glance. He's got a memory charm. I'm glad that we have successfully made Justin into the biggest pervert. Speaking of perverts, I'm just kidding. We'll get to that in a moment. But there, we're, we're laughing a lot today, but there were actually some really good um, parts to the story. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, let me rephrase that. There's some really poignant parts to the story. Um, like, Laura asks, you know, Hermione about... Ron. No, was it Laura who asked? Who asked? Yeah, yeah. Laura. Who asked George about Ron? Uh, Laura. I think Laura did too, but it was yeah. after Hermione's talk. Yeah, I think the, the conversations about Ron are really interesting because it's been... Nobody talk- talked to him. Yeah, it's been many years. He obviously has his own bedroom. No one talks about him, and but it's not because they just don't want to think of him. I, I'm sure they think of him very often, but Ron casts such a shadow 
over the fic because especially with the character with, especially with Harry and Hermione like I even made a note to myself reading through this uh, I read up to like chapter 6 today and I read 70 to 9 this afternoon right before the podcast and up until today's reading it really didn't seem like a Harry Hermione fic it really seemed like just a general fic whereas Harry and Hermione were friends and I love the re- the references. You know, they've they've lived together. They've you know, it, it's very Dawson's Creek. I mean, they've lived together. You know, they mm-hmm. slept in the same bed because apparently Harry lost all of his money in the great stock market crash. And you know, you know what I mean? No, they're just tied up as the CDs. Exactly, it's all tied up and just he really needed to read the fine print. Those goblins really screwed them. But you know what? And they have the, that type of friendship. They're almost like Will and Grace. And you know that they they've they check out each other's boyfriends and girlfriends, and they, and they they've just become family over the last few years. But Ron is such a huge part of that equation, and I love the parts where they think of what would Ron think, or what would happen if Ron were here. And I just think it's just the, I I love the parts where people mention Ron, and everyone just gets very quiet. And it, 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 it's interesting for us because we like with after the end, Lori has to go from third year until. You know, when they're 13 to 26, she covers a 13-year time span. But we don't know what happened with Ron. We get it in bits and drabs, so we have to go back and we have to and we have to relive that through the use of flashbacks and so forth. But I, I, I love the the impact that Ron has, particularly with Hermione and Harry, because they're friends during the story. And of course, there's the scenes where Harry's like, "What is wrong?" and he looks at down at his crotch for a second. And he's like, "What is happening to me?" And you know, there's there's all these different moments. You know, during the, oh, Jen's giggling because I said crotch, but you know, what I mean, so there's there, there's these moments through it where you know they have you know Harry's like, "Why am I so jealous?" and then he realizes he's been glaring at Gerald in the living room for like ten minutes. I'm picturing like a Peter Pettigrew little Gerald who's like cowering, and you know he's like you know poor justin must walk by and say oh god harry's glaring does he need a memory charm and like <laughs> and, and like I'm, you know what it's like they have all these moments with each other where they just get very you know, like hermione to cho and, and you know harry and gerald and they have all these moments where they you can tell there's some romantic undercurrents but until the kiss it doesn't really become a harry hermione fic and i even wrote in my notes okay it's a harry hermione fic now they're kissing and I'm like, oh, they're only going to kiss. They're going to take it slow. And unfortunately, you know, for that theory, no. that Harry picks her up. And this is where Jen started having a wet dream. Picks oh, my her God. Up. I love uh, this. Now, take it slow. now, Jen, you've obviously had many romantic moments with your husband, James. I'm referring to, of course, the moment where he, he threw you up against the wall and you banged your head and got a concussion and had to go to the emergency room. But, yeah, I remember that. You know, for everyone in the call here, let's just recap this. You know, you kiss the girl that you've been friends with all your life and you pick her up. And you carry her to the bedroom. And three hours go by. <laughs> three hour tour. Yeah, three hours is a... Uh, yeah. It's that's a drive a, to the a... White Mountains for me. This it's... is what people sigh about in novels. Because it's so not real. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... slept for an hour and a half and then tried again. Like, it's like... Well, oh, I have a friend with a bad three hour story, but I'm not going to mention it here. What were you saying? <laughs> I was going to say, did any, has anyone here ever had a three hour story... I guess you could say, <laughs> as Gerald would say. I don't know how to answer. Three hours. <laughs> just like a break for Chinese food in the middle, kind of? Like, I mean, it's like, what are the parameters are we going by time. here? Maybe Harry was having trouble. But, like, I'm just like, what the hell took three hours? It's like, oh. But, okay, Jen, talk about the Harry Hermione 
part of this moment. Yes. Oh my gosh, I just thought, you know, we've been laughing a lot, but this is an extremely angsty fic as well. I mean, there's some really dark moments. We, we really haven't explained why it's angsty, because we haven't really explained the like whole, oh shit, the world's coming down moments, which include the attack, um, uh, the yeah. mobile attack, Harry and Hermione, uh, the explosion at the workplace of Laura, or... Um, also, Lupin being yeah, Lupin oh. being poisoned. Oh yeah, and Laura getting hurt. I love that moment. Yeah, so there's like Laura like there's stopping. all these moments where it's obviously like Allegra and Voldemort are saying, "Okay, we're coming for you," and the world's coming to an end, and Harry is like trying to like you know what I I gotta save all you people. You guys are you aren't safe, and I I gotta leave, and and then that's when the crossing of the line happens because of the fact that's totally. And All Hermione, about yeah, Harry. I have to tonight. leave. Hermione, screw you, Harry. Okay, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it went downhill from there. Was I the only one thinking? Like, I actually wrote in my notes that this is like an assassination attempt because, like, Lupin drinks the 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 polyjuice potion and he goes down for town and he's like, polyjuice potion, tell. Tonks, I love. <laughs> and, you know, and then the Federation building, ex- and I actually thought it was like because especially with the with the Muggles line, you know, just put them in the hospital. I didn't think it was they were trying to kill them so much as they were trying to wound them, like they were waiting for Laura to leave the building so they could blow it up behind it. Like I wasn't sure what the what the motive was, but was I the only one picturing like the alert going out at the house and they like lower all the guard towers and they put the house under like maximum security and you know they have to mm-hmm. seal all the rooms that takes a week and a half or so I don't know that was the only thing I was talking about <laughs> the, 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 the 600 mile like perimeter fence goes up yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and they have to like the gar- like the dogs they, are running over they the release the velociraptors and Newman gets eaten off a toilet yeah there's some several cutscenes <laughs> But I'm sorry, Jen. I didn't. I didn't really mean to step on your toes. So the romanticness. Of- yes. Yeah, after we talk about Newman getting eaten off a toilet, Jen, you were saying about the romantic portions of P.O.U. <laughs> um, well, this is a very serious fic. Okay, let's get serious. And- Everyone, hold on. <gasps> serious. Very serious. Everyone, serious. serious. Very. Okay. And there's, like, Harry here is, like, doing his, like, guilt thingy to try and save the world by leaving everyone and, you know, going and getting himself killed. And and Hermione, like, it's, they call it the crossing the line moment because they've been friends for so long. And, you know, they've kind of accepted that nothing's going to happen between them. And they never, you know, none of them, neither of them crossed, you know, that, that friend line. And so finally, it, it's very angsty, and it's like this big, dramatic, he's trying to walk out. She's pushing him, no, don't leave, and she's hanging on, and he looks at her, and he's just trying to be brave and leave, and, like, he just looks at her, and, like, his resolve just falls. And I love that she describes, like, his face just crumbling, because he's trying to do the right thing, and he's trying to be, like, with the manly man, and she's just, she can't imagine, like, there's no good good way around it. Like, she's, if if he leaves... They're both alone, and they're both, you know, they're both going to, like, be dying inside. Or he doesn't leave, and, you know, they 
I don't know. It's just this big moment. And so finally it happens. And like, by the time it finally happened, I was going, yay! But it was. <laughs> I was in denial. I have to tell you this. You I was in denial. Now. No, I was in denial because my thing so far was I'm reading this as kind of like with Aaron here. I was reading this kind of like a, like a Harry Ginny fan. This is my first, you know, Hermione fic. And I haven't really read one yet. I haven't read anything yet that shows a romance between them working. So what I read was, you know, there, there's. I'm mentioning the scene that Harry was, this is after they have sex. You know, Harry is the guy that, you know, when he's in the shower, I'm brushing my teeth and he's changed in front of me and he's seen me in a towel and, you know, he's held my hair back when I've been sick and, you know, all of these different, like, I actually think I wrote it down here. I want to just, it's important to read that. Let me get it up here. It was, um, they've changed in front of each other. He's seen her in a towel. She's cut his hair. They've kissed on New Year's Eve and hugged like siblings. I mean, th- their family is the, and that's where they've always been. Like, I even thought if Harry was leaving, you know, he would kiss her and it would be like, even though, you know, it's obviously, you know, a kiss, it's, they're, they're beyond, it's beyond romance. They're, they're just so totally there for each other because they're all they have. And it was somewhere around the three-hour sex scene, I realized that wasn't where the story was going. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the difference between what, when Laurie is discussing a, a kiss on New Year's, like, I think that's a very chast, closed-mouth yeah. kiss compared to a, hey, let's play some tonsil hockey kiss. If which you have three is what, hours, it's going to go well beyond tonsil hockey. No, I mean, but, like, I'm talking about, like, the, the very first kiss, the initial crossing of the line. That they that as described in the fic, and I think that was when it was like a, oh shit, we just did something that would classify as being more than friends. We might as well have sex now. Might as well have sex, yeah. Well, Which, I don't know. I mean, I, I I guess I well, no, it's a romance novel, so obviously the characters would make that. I don't know. Maybe that's where I wanted to go with it, but. Well, it's like the line that Rena always has all the time is like, you know, the 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 parts of. Not, like I, I have difficulty with, with romance novels. Let me even rephrase that. I have difficulty with fics that are heavily fluffy and romantic because it's kind of like the scene from Coven of Echoes when Harry and Ginny are doing it on the, on the beach and he gets her pregnant and you know the, the moon moves and all the crap happens. <laughs> like I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm rolling my eyes and I'm like oh my god it's like Care Bear Stare I love you 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 and Jen's like ooh wet dream and I'm like oh my god I'm smashing my head into my desk and Jen would probably be here to talk about that but I think she's pregnant and probably have to go pee right now so she'll be back in a moment so I'll just keep talking as long as possible. Well I was going to say when you were talking about the Care Bear, <laughs> Care Bear Stare when Harry engineer whatever and then like obviously somebody needs to be memory charms luckily Justin Bly wasn't there yes so. not hear me, right? oh, Je- oh no we couldn't hear you, you oh you I'm like what is going on <laughs> nope we can hear you um, on mute. so can I just point out one thing okay Harry and Ginny are having okay not Harry and Ginny let's rephrase Happy Harry and Hermione have three hours of like wild monkey sex and then they have, you know, a brief conversation about all of their... Jen is just so disgusted with me right now. And then they have a brief conversation about all the people they've ever slept with. I am really tickled pink about the fact that Hermione's first time was with a guy named Horus. I just thought that it, was what, it, it was Ron. Well, it was, it was Ron the, first, and then it was Horus. This is very normal for the first after-sex talk. Is this normal? Um, yeah. You usually... Do people usually talk really? about sexual experiences after they have sex? Well, do you? No. I'm just, well, I just thought I'd get a baseline. You know, don't don't pull that attitude with me. Like, come on. <laughs> but, I was like, usually. So, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Robert. But before I was we get say, there, Robert, I... let me just finish this quick thought. So, okay. 
So I anyway. sounded very Dustin Flinch Fletchy. Yeah. <laughs> Me or him? <laughs> you can't hear oh, it right no. now, but I'm, I'm giving uh, uh, Ryan a significant look to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> memory charm. Like, why is everyone yeah, glaring nice. at me all of a sudden? Well, I just and I, I said before, I love the part where you know, where you know, and it's obviously it's like a very like I, I feel bad because sometimes it's a very poignant scene, and I'm just in a weird mood, and I'm like, she said penis, but you know, it's the scene where Hermione, she she her first time with Ron was like hours before he died, and all I could picture is ooh, that couldn't have gone. Well. Was it like I know you're dying, so let's do it now? Yes. I mean, it wasn't that kind of. It was. Cool. Coincidental. It's like, Last, yeah, it was coincidental sex. That must have hurt her self-esteem. It's like, you know, like all, all you can say about that day is like Ron had sex with her, and then he turned himself over to Voldemort. The first layer is like, oh, oh, but he got kidnapped. I agree. Uh, no, he he was tricked. Whatever. In, in fairness, he, he was tricked. That's right. He was tricked. Yeah. And then Harry, you know, had sex with a woman, and she became a Death Eater, and that was awkward as well. So they found each other. But okay, so they have wild monkey sex for three hours, and then they. They spoon and they talk with all the people they've ever slept with, and then Hermione. And they like, grieve. They grieve. And 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 they grieve, and then Hermione's like, "Ooh, you want to go again?" And I'm picturing everyone out on. I believe they're in Astronomy Tower B because Astronomy Tower A, as we all know, no, they're is, in the cloister, aren't they? They're in the what? The so cloister. Harry and Hermione are in the cloister, and if I'm ch- referencing the That's grounds what this map, tower is called, I believe. Yeah, well, that's that is a tower, um, but they're also that's in the north tower. Aren't they on the upper level of the gazebo on the on the west? Side? Yeah, I was gonna say they're. I think they're in the gazebo outside. They're, staring at they're the outside looking at the stars. Now I want to no just... because they have the astronomy mansion room. Remember yes, that... that's where they are. So here's what happens. They're is, outside though. This is what happens. So so Harry and Hermione are at it again, and everyone else is outside on the grounds, and and you know Laura's complaining because she was almost blown up earlier that day, and you know and Hermione hasn't stopped by to check on me. Does anyone know where she is? And they hear moaning, and George is like, "It's coming from the house." It sounds like someone's in pain. I, was like, I think someone. I, I think someone's in trouble. Then you hear. The moaning they had some more. intentions, and, and, and they're like, I, "I think, I think Harry hired a prostitute. We don't recognize. <laughs> like, I think he's having sex." And Laura's like, "I almost got blown up today. That's a little callous." Then you hear Hermione screaming Harry's name in the midst of her of like a five-minute no, orgasm. No, you, yes, you do you, not. Yes, you do. Hear. Yes, you do. Because it's you hear Hermione, and everyone's yeah. like, and George you're is like. <gasps> And, 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 and Laura's like, <gasps> but with an Australian accent. And they go down the line, and everyone's like, <gasps> and then you hear, like, literally a page and a half later, you hear Justin, I think they're having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, does anybody else hear Keza when they're reading Laura now? Because I, I, I hadn't read this yeah. in a while, and I, I, whenever I read Laura, I, I hear it in Keza's voice. It's funny. Hi, welcome back to Poundcast, and I'm Keza. Don't mock me. Ryan doesn't talk to me. That's not true. He does. Oh, God, now I'm going to do that. Thank you for loading me up with that. (laughs) Well, you've you've got it easy. You've got your little voice thing, so it comes with the, you know, the strength. (laughs) Every character in this fic sounds like a bored elderly man, so I unfortunately (laughs) luck out, but it's like... But yeah. I just love that. And and then they're like, let's fly up and watch. And I'm like, you're sex offenders. Every single one of you are sex offenders. So you're going to have to register for like 30 years. And they all hop in their brooms and they fly up. And luckily, they're spooning because they've just had sex nine times and they're a little sleepy. But I don't know. The one thing I did really love, I, and I'm being serious, I'm going out of silly mode, and I really did love this. You have Harry and Hermione, and they've been best friends, they've been family, they've been everything for for 10 years 15 years they they're all they have 
and the, you know they they have they they obviously have sex. They've crossed a line. This is new. Although everyone thinks they've been doing it every day, this is new. And <laughs> Hermione, you know, after it's over, begins to cry. To which Harry will think, "Oh God, I'm two for two. And Hermione says, "I'm grieving." And I thought it was going to come out that she was grieving for Ron because it's like you know. Every time I have sex, I think of Ron, and, Her- and Harry's like, oh, that's so nice. I love hearing that. I miss Ron. Every time I have sex with you, I just think, damn, I wish Ron like, were here. Compares it. Yeah, and so you have that moment, and I love the fact that she's, he instantly knows what she's thinking. They're grieving for their friendship because their friendship is over. Yeah. And I like the fact that they acknowledge that. Yeah. And they, they acknowledge it's over, and I'm more amused in the morning when Hermione wakes up. Wakes up and she climbs up Harry's bed. The first thing she does is run over and grab a picture of Ron off the end table. It's like, but you know what? It it does because I'm. I know it wasn't like. Here's the thing. I know I'm weird, and I know I'm a little Harry Ginny fan reading a Harmonian fic, trying to understand why Harry is not sleeping with Ginny in every scene. And it's because of the fact that that's just. I have the knowledge of canon that Laurie couldn't possibly have had at this point. So, from from, from my perspective, I want to know why Harry isn't with Ginny, and I want to know why Ron isn't with Hermione. Obviously, I know why Ron isn't with Hermione. But the first thing that jumps out to me is that if Ron had lived, he would be with Hermione right now, and, you know, Harry would apparently... Yeah, but I guess this is the point I, I, I started at at the beginning of the fic, and I want to hear what you guys think. If Ron had lived, well, let me let me actually back up. The the way I understand this fic, as a result of Ron dying, and a result of Harry's investment snafu, Hermione became like family to him, and they shared all of these experiences. So now, many years later, as a result of events and grief and circumstances beyond their control, these two people who otherwise wouldn't have gotten together came together and fell in love. Now, now I can understand that. And I talked to Jen about this earlier today. But the point I can't rationalize is if asked would they have gotten together if it were canon if Ron had never died, my answer would be no. Because they never would have been in that Because I don't directly see why these two characters are compatible other than they've had all these experiences in this particular fic. So when she says, you know, she's thinking to herself, if Ron had lived, I would have eventually left him for Harry because my love for Harry is so deep. But I'm thinking she wouldn't have had that those times with Harry because she would have been with Ron. Like, that's where I'm coming from here. I thought that was, that was a weird thing because... And Jen thinks that she's trying to talk herself into it. I just don't see why she would be with Harry if Ron lived. And maybe that's just my narrow well, perspective. I mean, didn't you ever have a childhood girlfriend who, you know, you really liked, and then you ended up going out with her best friend? Not particularly. No. No. Not that particular experience, no. No. No, I was just a whore. I don't know. <laughs> Jen! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can... Jen's oh, like, no. oh, doesn't everybody do that? Come on. I, I can't say, Jen, though, I have been on the other end of that where I've been, uh, it's been, the girl has been the one that's uh, dating one of my friends, and then after after they broke up, you know, time passed, and then, you know, whatever. Um, that's, uh, I can see that happening, too. Um, you know, the, it, it, your feelings change over time. It doesn't, uh, and especially when you're, um, there comes a point, and, I, and movies, you know, calls like it's like the was it the friend zone or whatever. You get in the friend zone, and you can't do anything else. But the, it's possible to get out of that, and and it's obviously in this fic that happens. 
I guess there must have been things that happened in fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, and seventh year in this fic that were totally different from what happened in canon. That would because like I'm going from the canon perspective, and I can't see anything in the Hogwarts years that brings Harry and Hermione together in that capacity. So unless they had different events, I don't default to that. So I'm looking towards everything that happened post Ron's death as the catalyst. For, for, for the, their friendship to be so much deeper than it ever was, and to have Hermione be anything, everything that Harry has, and to, and to kind of foster that love. So that's where I look for that. Plus, I just think Dan Radcliffe and Emma Watson have great chemistry, so that works, no, no, too. No. But, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, Ryan? Yep. James is here to drag me to go stand in a line. Okay. Will you call me on my cell phone? I don't have my phone in front of me. Give me your phone number right now. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to... Perfect League listeners, I hope you're listening, because you now get to call Jen at home whenever you feel like it. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out, either. Okay, there it is. Aww. And if you'll give me three minutes? Uh, yep, I will give you three minutes. Let's just take three minutes off, and James can join in in the discussion as she's trapped in the line. At... For Batman. <laughs> For Batman. You definitely now need to add that is Batman that going? Yeah, I'm going to be getting in line for Batman here in a couple hours. I'm not going till tomorrow night. Yeah, I've got nothing going on tomorrow morning, so I'm like, I'm going to go! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. I tried to call Jen and my whole thing crashed. I'm like, this is Jen's fault. This has to be Jen's fault. Yep. I'll be right back. I need to put you guys on hold. Hey, Jen. Hi, sorry. No problem. Why does Robert say held remotely? Are we on he hold? Said, he said he was going to put us on hold for a moment. Robert has put us on hold. Why? I don't know. Is it something important? Uh, He could be playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> he put us on hold? <laughs> Why would he play World of Warcraft in the middle of a podcast? I don't just... know. <laughs> Although, interestingly enough... Uh, World of War, playing World of Warcraft and listening to Potterfic Weekly is a good combination. That works out. Well, the podcast is five hours long, and you can see why it exactly. is. So, yeah. Is Robert there? Uh, we're on hold. He's on the other line. I'm confused. Okay, anyway. And we're back with Jen on her cell phone. Jen, tell us where you're going. I'm going to see Batman. <laughs> so when this episode comes out in March, you'll be like, why the hell is she going to see Batman? It's on DVD. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. So that's my question for you guys, and I asked it in the beginning. You know, let me just say this. I am so impressed with the story so far. It's so fun to read. The characters are so dynamic. The plot is really holding my interest. It's interesting for me because it's so new. I've never read a Harry Hermione fic, and this is the like the Bible of Harry Hermione fix. Or as <laughs> Kron- it really is. Or as Kronk said when I asked him if he wanted to be part of this podcast. <laughs> so, Aww. you know, he, he, was, he was very emotional. He was very excited. So, it's all because of Lori. So, you know, it's such a good story and it's so well written yeah. and you have just that dynamic of, you know, that they're, they're, they're part of a trio and they're the only two left and and the one that almost held them together before you know when you think of the trio ron is in the middle and you know ron deals with hermione on one level and you just, like there's like the, the thing with the trio is i see the strongest relationship hermione has is with ron and i see the strongest relationship that aside from that scene from um from gobble of the fire the, the you know the strongest relationship harry has is with ron so ron really holds those two together I like that Hermione is talking about that, and she says something along the 
myself. Yeah, and after Vaughn's death, Harry had a complete personality transplant. Like, it just shows, again, like, how much it meant to to Harry and how it changed him so much. Yeah, it's like, he you don't think of it, but Ron really is the focal point of that group. So I think I have a difficulty with Harry Hermione fic, because the Harry Hermione relationship itself doesn't usually happen without Ron in the room. And there's rare moments. Obviously we have like a huge chunk of Deathly Hallows. We have, you know, there's, there's monumental portions of of a lot of fix where she is Turner at the end of the prisoner. Yeah. At the end of prisoner. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, yeah, exactly. Great point. I mean, well, I, I'm just going to go on a limb here and I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I don't think Ron is the vocal point of the trio. Um, and I think that's kind of, I mean, maybe later on, in the actual canon series, but I think that like for a lot of the earlier uh, stories, I think Harry is the the glue that sticks the trio together. Especially like in Prisoner of Azkaban, where you have like Ron and Hermione who want to kill each other throughout the entire book, and it's and it's Harry who kind of keeps them together. That's true. I think that's probably why it's easier for I mean me as a former Harry Hermione shipper, and I'd be more likely to see that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't find it difficult at all to see Harry and Hermione together, right. especially in the context of this was not, you know, this wasn't after Jenny. And to tell you the truth, Harry and Jenny's relationship in canon was never a big deal. You know, no. it was never no. this big, all-encompassing relationship. And uh, frankly, canon... Harry Jenny, I was offended. Like there are much better Harry Jenny fan fiction. It wasn't written very fan. well. It wasn't a focal point. It wasn't. Well. It was terrible. So I, the Harry Jenner canon shippers. I'm just like, you know, I'm sorry you can't see it, but I really can't see the Harry Jenny, you know, getting married 20 years later when they didn't speak for a year. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. I think but Harry Jenny was really, really underplayed in book seven, especially. Oh, in book seven, think, it was non-existent. There was a kiss, yeah. and then, you know, at the end of it... Uh, Ginny didn't have a personality in seven. Like, there was nothing... There was no Ginny yeah, spark there was in nothing. Seven. I just want to touch on something that I think that also... And I, I really hate to be speaking for all Harmonians, just because I was <laughs> one at one point. I feel really bad. Like, well, Harmonians think this, but I'm going to go do that, go and do that again, just based off conversations that I've had with friends who are Harmonians. I think a lot of Harmonians... Like, J.K. Rowling, for the most part, seems to be a very plot-focused writer. Like... In the interview that she had with Emerson and uh, Melissa, and Melissa, forgot her name there for a second. <laughs> Emerson uh, and, dude. and that chick. Because for, for I think for J.K. Rowling, it's all about the plot. And I think if you look at Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione, those are very like very plot based relationships within the canon compared to the Harmonians who feel that it's more about the characters and their personalities, and it's more of the about character compared to the plot. And I completely, after that entire thing about Melissa and Ellie, I completely forgot my point and where I was going with it. Um, But I guess... uh, Let me just fall back to... Maybe this will help explain my perspective, and maybe this is why my perspective isn't valid to the conversation. Well, it's valid, but... Because Rena said that it was... Yes, and we do whatever Rena tells us. No, we do whatever Rena tells us. My thing is... I think it's something actually Kronk said earlier. If if Hermione is Harry's sister, it's not going to work. But eventually, as you get older and your voice changes and hair sprouts out in those embarrassing places, you're you know that girl you know who was your sister for so many years. You know you start to think of differently, and maybe it's just something like that. And I will just say this: if the movies were canon, I'd be a total Harmonian. Yeah, well, definitely. Oh, especially after especially after Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just. I think. Yeah. 
I like the movie, so... And Goblet of Fire. <laughs> Basically, if you've seen any of the movies, any scenes, anything will do. You're just <laughs> That's not true. In Prisoner of Azkaban, Hermione grabs Ron's arm and he looks shifty. <laughs> they were... <laughs> Justin walks over and performs a memory drama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to watch Chamber of Secrets ever again because of you people. <laughs> you know, the, fu- yeah, oh God. the funny thing is, is like, I wonder if that kid ever knew that, because by then it had been well established in the fandom or within the fanon, if you will, that he was gay. I wonder if that kid had any clue that like the perceptions of that character at that point in time. I remember thinking movie, he, had this, oh. he had a very strong chin. He looked like Leno. That's all I remember. I thinking also think maybe it has to do with the fact that Emma Watson is just so much prettier than Bonnie Wright. Yeah. I don't think so. Emma Watson's eyebrows just annoy the crap out of me in the deal. No, Emma, Bonnie is not that attractive. No, that's not fair. I mean, Bonnie, no. That I is mean, not, not fair. It is she not, is, not, 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 not fair. fair. She looks 10. Like, she doesn't look. In the second like movie, she was 10. <laughs> I've, I've got to agree with Jen on this one, although, you know. Yeah. It, I'll agree. Wrong with I have really good taste in women, Ryan. I do. <laughs> Jen, we discovered, uh, earlier in the podcast, she was checking out a lot of women's butts, and we discovered the gem is a bad lesbian. Jen, say hi to your husband, James. Hi, honey. He's sitting right next to me, by the way, like, trying to swerve through traffic, because I took so long. Tell him the line about Gerald and in, in, in the, uh, whatchamacallit, see if his tire blows. But, um... <laughs> yeah. I guess my thing is, I just... The one issue I have at this point, and maybe this fic will t- turn me into a raging harmonium, which is absolutely plausible. Or it, maybe not. And maybe it not. did. For, it, it turned a lot of people harmonium, but I was yeah. Yeah, well, that was back in the day. In though. fairness, there was nothing else to read, but I will I will surrender that point to you. But what I will say is is that the one thing that made me go, the only thing actually, aside from the damn swing dancing, that really made me sit up and say, "What the hell is this woman smoking?" was that was when Hermione had said that she would have ended up with Harry anyway. And that was just the one thing. I'm like, mm, I just. She I, didn't say that. She said, "Her, were you in love with Ron?" And she said, "I haven't I ever figured that out." Figure that out, yeah. And I, and I think that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty. I think that's, that's why I can't talk. Time to build yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you you're in a relationship for how long? Maybe yeah. I don't know. And then you do it once, and then he's dead. I don't think that's really a fair amount of time to say that you you could love somebody. Well, but, and that's under the assumption that sex makes a relationship. Yeah, I didn't want to get into and that. And that's old not well. You know what I mean? That's the same kind of. Well, you know, yeah. it's not actually fair what I'm saying either, because I'm going under the assumption that if only Ron had lived, it would have been the canon, <laughs> and you know, Harry would have yeah. been married. And that's you know, if only if Ron hadn't died, none of this would have happened, and, God, and Harry it, Ron. and no. Harry would live in a much smaller house. Ron's but, fault. But we <laughs> also need to take into account that a lot of time has passed. No, like we Ron have to take into account that Harry if- Harry dated Ginny, and it didn't work. And I love the description. They figured they had to do it at some point in their lives. So they might as well get it over with. I'm like smoking like a three hundred. <laughs> but you know, I yeah. You know, and and Ginny just looks wonderful in plaid or wool or whatever the hell she's wearing. Like I thought the character is not in plaid. She's what? like in this woman business suit of elegance. Yeah. Can we just print. can we just read? Does anyone have available the description of Ginny's um, magazine? I'll get it. One sec. What chapter is that in? I think it's in. It's the... like Vogue. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's, the it's, line cracks me up. Just the description of the magazine cracks me up. It has to be in the beginning of chapter nine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, stupid. Did schmiggle. we talk about what happened? What is with fictionality? Why is fictionality so bad? I hate fictionality. Stupid fictionality and the people who work go. for fictionality. 
said spokesperson for fictionality, Robert Sandrick. What, what, Maybe. What description? It's the description of uh, Ginny's magazine. Okay. She was the founder and editor-in-chief of Circe Magazine, a journal for the modern witch that featured thoughtful, featured thoughtful articles about feminism, the role of witchcraft in society, the changes facing today's witch, women's health and behavior, and a wide variety of other topics, including more girly stuff like fashion tips and relationship advice. That's a descriptive line. That's like, that's, like the, that's house was, the, the, the house was blue and the sun shone over the room. Like, I love that. It's like, it's like, it's the freaking Wikipedia entry for the thing. I thought it was hilarious. I thought that was, like, sometimes the, 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 her Lori's writing style just really cracks me up and it really amuses me. I thought that was great. And it just seems like Hermione, I almost get the sense that Hermione marched in with, like, a staff of four people and said, look, I have limited amount of time. I want to tell you that Ron would be okay with you having sex. I read about it in the equivalent this morning. I think it's wonderful. Like, I like, <laughs> I just thought that it was interesting. Yeah. Like, I, you know what? Well, I liked that Harry checked out a book on swing dancing. <laughs> like, they learned that apparently from a book. I don't know what that had to do with the first thing. I'm <laughs> hey, I was like, what does this have anything to do with the conversation, Dad? Like, why, why, why did we suddenly start talking about like, this? Here's the thing. We sit down, we're like, let's go through the, the, the nine chapters in, you know, successive order. And we're like, <laughs> We tried. That's the point. We tried. Oh. It did pretty good for a while. I love the fact that Cho sat down on the porch next to her and offered her a cup of tea. I love the fact that they had sat like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Care Bear Stare. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But let's talk about this now. Can I just tell you, I'm driving home today, and I have 20 minutes left on my iPod recording of the first nine chapters. And Harry you know, goes off to work in the morning and he kisses Hermione goodbye. And Hermione opens a note. It's a very thick note. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, shit. And she opens the note. Dear Hermione, I enjoyed our... Basically, within the first sentence, dear Hermione, I've decided to leave you and go off and be full to more than... I know. Okay, he got his booty and now he's out of there. Like, what the heck, Harry? What the heck? Booty call Hermione. And, you know, Hermione's reading the note. I remember thinking to myself, you know what? We all knew he was going to do it anyway. At least he says he might come back. And for Harry, that's... Like, Hermione before, Hermione, like, you know, I'll pay, I'll still pay the mortgage. Like, she's some, like, jackass who wants, you know, the like... Well, my thing is, what's his share of the mortgage? It must be, like, $32,000 a month. But I make jokes about the damn cost of the house. But... <laughs> You love that house. The house you do. The There's no line about the house that doesn't include the fact that, you know, the dining room table could fit 72 comfortably. It's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> There's but, 651 bedrooms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Owls are flying back and forth because the distance is so great between all the bedrooms, they can't just use the intercom system. But I love the fact that, you know, she gets the note saying, I'm leaving you, I must defeat Voldemort, or you will be killed, because only I can prevent forest fires, and I will come back for you. <laughs> Maybe, if I don't die. And if I die, remember the booty call and know I will love you always, like Ron did, who also died trying to defend you. And Hermione, if you you find that you miss me, go to the kitchen with Justin and glare at him, and soon your pain will be gone. (laughs) As will I, for I must leave. And Hermione reads the note, and and she calls a family meeting. And Cho stops by, and Hermione's like, hey, Cho, good to see you. I had sex with Harry. <laughs> and 
calls the family meeting. And Hermione's like, we all knew this would happen, and we must let him do what he will. And by the way, I tagged him like he's a whale when we released into the water. I could drag him. Like, I just see Craig. I like the fact that Hermione's like, okay, you know what? If you're going to leave, that's fine. And she, like, puts, like, one of those things, like, on your shirt when it's at the gap that they have to remove at the register. And she sends him on his <laughs> So <laughs> and she's following behind. So Harry's driving away with his ma- with his GPS system, looking for Voldemort, and he looks behind him, and there's a Mercedes riding his ass. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was, it was. It's like and like they're all in the front seat, and they've got like the like the Harry tracker. It's like beep beep. beep. It's like why am I beeping? <laughs> And it's like this massive backpack thing he has on his back. It's not even small, but I like mm-hmm. that. And I, but but one thing I did really like is I liked the fact that Hermione, who threw the cannon, is this absolute, you know, just like she. If any problem arises, she must solve it, and she uses you know her brain power to do all of these amazing things that none of the other characters, you know, it's none of their strong suits. And she instantly says, okay, we're going to let him do this, but I'm going to track him by the North Star so I can always find him. And everyone, and everyone's in, it's like, me, and me too, and oh, he might need chicken soup, and George Russell. And ice cubes. <laughs> and with, he puts ice cubes in the coffee. And, and then Cho comes back. And, and like, like one th- can I just say one thing? I, I, and just to be serious, I love the scene where they're all inside. Right. And yeah, thank you, thank just, you, just one though. <laughs> and, and 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 Cho is an absolute. Ass. She just walks up to Hermione and says, "Well, at least you got to screw him." And Hermione, such a whore. And Hermione, much like yourself, because apparently you're a whore, because that's gonna be the title of this episode, because you <laughs> said know. it, so I can get away with it. So you know, Hermione just walks over and slaps Cho, and I thought it would be like that scene from airplane where like people there's a line forming to slap the person and then like you know Hermione walks off and then George walks up and George like kicks her in the teeth and then like everyone has their turn to, because it was because you don't go there with the dead guy and you know so I, I just thought that was great and then Laura then <laughs> Laura walks up you're gonna sit there you're gonna Watch sit your ass around. down you're gonna sit your ass down and if you attempt to say anything I'm gonna make that slap look like a hug okay <laughs> it's like back away from the Australian. <laughs> yeah. I just that like, was a really good reenactment of chapter nine. Good job. You're welcome. You're welcome. And now for the sex nice. scene, Robert and Jen. Wait, did you talk about, I just want to make sure that you read when Hermione wrote to so- sorry, like in earlier chapters, did you read your notes of that? Oh, let me see if I can find my notes on because that. Because I thought, that was hilarious. Let me see what I have available here. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I have. Yep, I have down. Um... Oh, do <laughs> I have? Uses memory charms. I smell a plot point with Justin. <laughs> are you talking about the actual meeting itself, or are you talking about? Oh, do I know like, that? Wait. Or the letter, like the Hermione, dear Voldemort's lieutenant did line. That, did we finish that talk where Hermione wrote the letter to Sorry to go see him before Ninja Harry? That was before Ninja Harry. Well, Robert, would you like to read my note on that since you do the, the sexy voice so well? Was that the Hermione, dear lieutenant yes. Voldemort? Okay. Okay, so in Ryan's notes, it says... Hermione, colon, dear Voldemort's lieutenant, I'm Hermione Granger. I hear you're secretly bad. Please advise. 
<laughs> Very truly yours, Hermione Granger. And then my question was, I'm still driving to work, you know, in my car. There's sparks shooting out of my car because I only have three tires because of the because of the earlier scene. And I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, okay, they, they must have apparition. Because Fred seemed very concerned about George vanishing into thin air. And then, unfortunately, he was tasered, so he forgot all about it. And then Hermione says, I'll meet you with the three broomsticks. I'm like, oh, well, she can just, you know, there is apparition. She can just apparate in to the three broomsticks. And then, like, they call Stella. She's like, you know, Dr. Granger called in sick to work today. And I'm like, well, is she on the Hogwarts Express? Like, I couldn't visualize how the he- why it took her an entire work day to get to Hogsmeade. Or she could flu, or she could port key. I mean... Well, she, or she jumps out of her 43rd, you know, story office on her broom and just flies there. Like, I couldn't, like, her, like, I can imagine the descriptive line now, the door to the three broomsticks open. Hermione walks in, her hair was plastered behind her, like, she had her head out the car window all the way there. But... I thought, and then she immediately gets there, and Sari walks in. He's like, "What can I, I do with their broom? Is there like a broom check-in?" No, they have like a, a giant. Sh- they have a giant like a shed. Space. There's a giant shed outside of the ministry. And I'm like, "That's you're gonna like, you're, they're gonna steal your broom." <laughs> there's gonna be clean sweeps. Like, <laughs> it's the honor system in the Wizarding World. It, well, there's, a, there's only thirty people, so you can just check everyone's house for your missing broom. I mean, it's not like they hire Death Eaters. But like, seriously, of- let's think about Hermione here. So Hermione. Finds out that Sari is the embodiment of evil, and everyone she speaks to. Oh, do you know that guy, Sari? Oh, he's a death eater. You gotta watch. Yeah, out I've for heard him. of him. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, "Yeah, race. It's definitely black." <laughs> and then, then we're all thinking, and and then, then she's like, "Well, maybe I should meet him for coffee and ask him." Because even though, <laughs> are you evil? Like Ron says, <laughs> like, "Are you evil?" Like Harry, <laughs> Harry says no. he's the embodiment of evil, and they ask, and then, then she's like, "Harry." Why don't you go into it? I can't. I can't disclose my cover. To which case, you know, the newspaper boy walks by and says, "Hey, Harry." Well, he's like on his spy duty. In chapter one, Harry has like these glowing neon radioactive eyes that glow in the dark. (laughs) So I mean, Hermione should be a little bit. I mean, if that freaked her out. Exactly. It's like, my only thought is, Harry is the spy who thinks he's a good spy, but he's like Maxwell smart, and everyone knows he's a spy. Sorry about that, Chief. So, he's like, I, I can't I can't even approach Sorry. It might let on that we're on to him, and we have to prevent that, you know, at the cost of our lives. We mu- and then Hermione sits down, Dear Sorry, my name is Hermione Granger. And then she meets him at the three broomsticks, and the only reason she picks the three broomsticks is it's a well-pop... It's like when you meet a guy online, you meet at the food court. So she gets there, and he walks in and says, Can we have this conversation in the dark alleyway outside? And she's like, Brian I don't I know. At Grand Central Station. <laughs> I walked into Grand Central Station to meet Jen, and I saw this woman in this bright neon red coat staring up. I'm like, that must be Jen. But, I was like, at the ceiling. But and my thing is, she goes with Sari. I'm like, how are you not dead? <laughs> she's like got the Tony, the pigtails, and the lollipop, and she's skipping. Aww, wow. <laughs> stupid. Would you like some candy, little girl? Yes, please. I'd love to see Jamie's face after that one. <laughs> Considering he's sitting right next to you. Not James Potter, but James. Jen's Wait, husband. What? What? Never mind. I was say, you're with your husband right now, and you're saying those lines in a con- phone conversation. Yeah. And he's sitting oh, right he's next so to you. He just ignores me now. <laughs> oh, okay. Funny? What do you think? He, yeah, he's but like, anyway. what? About what? <laughs> Is he smiling and nodding? No, he's racing against time. 
All right, that like what what other points do you guys want to raise about the first nine chapters? We have talked about everything. In like complete non sequential order. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally like random like order that makes no sense. Can I just say, okay. Some of our listeners don't read the fix, but they listen to the podcast under the guise that they can follow along with us and get the point. Like and then like we're like, and what did everyone think of the clown? And they're like, What the fuck is going on in this story? Like I can't what? There was a clown? I missed the clown. Where no, was the clown? There was like an like oh, I don't know. The librarian freaked me out. Maybe that was I was thinking. Uh, it was like the little girl, the little monotone girl. You can have any book you like. <laughs> and then she tasers her mind. Um, That's how I meant to do. So what? Okay. What did we miss? You're the POU geeks. No offense, man. Honestly, I don't. We've we've covered everything. Um. And we didn't do any spoilers, which is amazing. I we didn't talk I, about Harry and his oh. Or Harry and his what? You can't say spoiler. It's a spoiler. spoiler. I like how the chapters ended off with Hermione was like she's wearing the talisman so she can track Harry at all times and even Cho Chang is coming around and I I don't know I just love the way the chapters lead off because it's not you know aside from the fact that you know there's time traveling bad guys that can suck magic out of you in bathrooms you know with bath mats actually say bath mat you know that's one thing we we didn't talk about is why they really want Harry yeah we didn't talk about like the fact that the changeover plays into the whole fact that if you change over a wizard, you lose they lose all they, their they one dead. And, we huh? No, we, we haven't discovered that yet. No, we have. We have. We have. We have. Oh, okay, good. You don't. Know, you Sorry. know. Sorry, I'm like, wait. You're like, don't. <laughs> Jen randomly like tackles Robert in the middle of a sentence and starts like beating his head into the ground to prevent him from. Exactly. No, but the the fact that it uh. When and not only does it kill the wizard, but it read I mean, it undoes everything that that wizard has done before. So yeah. So who I wonder was the wizard who, who died when Laura was created? No, 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 no. If you do it to a non-magical person, they get magical powers. If you Correct. do it with someone who has magic, or if you have to do it to you a wizard or a witch, they die. And any magic they have ever done gets undone. No okay. one has to die. Right. No one has to die for the Muggle. Unless they went into a wizarding bathroom, and they, you know, <laughs> killed a guy at the urinal, and then they just—I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why the hell they did the thing in the bathroom, but there would be no bath mat present. So I, I think you, yeah, I think you'd have to watch or read the uh, changeover. Okay. You also figure out why it says bath mat on in the first place. <laughs> That's a question. If we ever get to talk to Lori, we have to ask, like, what bath Holy mat do you own? Freaking crap. That says bath mat. What happened? Oh, she sees Harry, the line. Eight hundred. This is more than Harry Potter. Oh yeah, this yeah. is huge. Oh no, no, no! I don't think that's the line. I think that's the kids that it's curfew. No. <laughs> the line. You're kidding. No. Well, I have to be dropped off at the ticket booth to get the little call no. stuff. Oh my god, this is a mile freaking long. I'm not joking. Chen's like, why don't we get a jump on the next episode? Okay, sorry. We can continue. No problem. Guys, just like, whatever thoughts you have left, throw them out there. Um, I think this is this is, this is a great series, and I think that the great thing about Paradigm is that a lot it, there's, a, there's a lot of romance to it, but I think there's a significant plot that goes at a steady, pretty fast pace, it keeps the story interesting. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of every single chapter, there's a little bit of a drop off, a cliffhanger 
to keep you say, oh my gosh, I need to li- read the next chapter. So uh-huh. there's no, there's never really any sort of moment where you're like, I'm really bored of this fic. Right. Yeah. I thought it did a really good job of drawing you in from the first chapter when you first learned that Harry's a spy. Draws you into the story. And the characters are good, and there's there's good original characters. So you know it's not you're not just limited to the standard canon people. And uh, you know a lot of unique elements to the story. I felt that uh, made it very strong. I was gonna say quickly uh, that's something we probably didn't touch on as much as we probably maybe should have. Hey, hang on, very- Jen. We're getting a lot of feedback on your Jen. Yeah, sorry. I think I'm gonna have to hang up. No, that's no problem. You want to just say good night, and then we'll. Yes, I will say good night. <laughs> I'm really, of... really sorry. No problem. Right. Enjoy Batman. Good night, Jen. Enjoy good the night, movie. Everybody. It's nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah, nice, nice to Jen. Meet you. Good night, Jen. Okay. Good night. Bye bye. Talk right. to you later. Yeah, it's like a wind tunnel from hell. <laughs> um, but like Lori has this ability to create some extremely likable, extremely plausible original characters. And like with oh, um, Napoleon, <laughs> yeah, Napoleon is my. Uh, I'm just gonna fly out because I can't be here for the next show, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I love Napoleon. He is hands down my most favorite OC ever. So, yeah. is Napoleon original to Lori or was he yes, original to Lori? Okay, totally original. And totally original. Absolutely hilarious. And I honestly think, to some degree, a certain cat can- and character may have been ripped off of him. Really? But I'm not. Oh, yeah. I, I'll let you figure it out. Okay. Come back to me. I'll give you. You can call me on my cell when you read it and you like. You can like totally squee or man squee or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like I'm. Anyway. I'm just like really looking forward to this. I mean, uh, I, I say that I think with like every fic. I'm like, oh, this is like such a different concept for me, but. Well, when, you know, it, you can understand that every fic is different. We haven't really covered. Uh, you, well, we, you, you guys haven't really covered anything that's been too similar yet. And mm-hmm. obviously, when you when you get to Melinda's when when you do Melinda's uh, power of motion, that's that's fairly similar to uh, her other one. But um, you know, most of the ones you've done have been have been very different from each other. And if we we're going to give Jen con- editorial control over some new fix that we're doing, so oh yeah, we're going to see some Snape Hermione. Yeah, I swear to God, we're going to have the one where Harry's a cat on the show. Like we're going to be all over the place. The <laughs> one where Harry's a centaur. Yeah, exactly. He's half centaur and he impregnates himself, oh, and, it's, 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 and there's moral issues in Hermione. I was just very, listening yeah. to that episode today. Yeah, it's we're we're, we're going where no fandom has gone before. It's, it's going to be absolutely yeah. frightening. But um, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm just really excited. But the and. It's and the thing I want to leave off on with the points I have for tonight is that it's like for example when we covered a year like none other one of the things that I had said was that you know there's people out there who are rabid Snape Harry fans and if you started the fic on day one with Snape you know showing up at Hogwarts wearing Hillary Clinton's you know peacock yellow pantsuit saying Harry I realized I loved you in the middle of the summer and Harry's like me too let's form a family <laughs> there's people who would absolutely love it because they are so obsessed with those two characters so that there are certain fics that satisfy the rabid fan base that particular ship or that particular relationship but also satisfy someone like me who is like pre-wired not to go that way and has to be like hand-held through it so it's it's it really says a lot about a writer and a fic if you can appeal to such broad bases of fans of potential readers so for this fic you know it obviously it was written in a time when there wasn't a lot of canon to go off of it was written at a time when there wasn't a lot of fan fiction to go off off of and it shows you know 
two characters together in what has since it's been written become a major you know ship within the fandom it's become a very because of you know some of the people who have been involved and because you know just some of the, mm-hmm. the events it's become a very controversial you know fan so there's yeah. there's like a stigma to to Harry and Hermione it, it's a stigma of you know not being able to understand what the canon really means so for me to be able to read it and just it, it, it's i guess what i'm trying to say very long-windedly is it seems like it was written yesterday for <laughs> someone like me who's read all seven books and still wants to be convinced it could have ended up that way so I think sure. that's incredible for something that was written eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it has a it has a very after the end uh, feel to it as far mm. as her getting like some of the canon stuff right, yeah. despite it just missing out on years of canon um, by writing it early. And she deals with everything very um, respectfully. I mean, it's not like you're hopping in like in, I've heard some rumors as to where it may go, but I'll judge when I get there. But um, you know the fact that you know while Harry and Hermione sleep together, you know, she instantly thinks of Ron. And mm-hmm. it's not to compare Harry to Ron, but it's what would have happened if he was here. What would he think? And that, like, when you lose people in your life, you think, what mm-hmm. would they think? And Ginny sort of shows up, you know, very dramatically to give Ron's, you know, blessing as, you know, Ron's younger sister. And it makes a lot of sense. And it's just, it's very respectfully done to the point where we're at. And, I can believe it, and I guess the best thing I, that I can say about a fic is if I can read this fic and I can read all the way through it, after I'm done with it and we've moved on to other stories, I'm, I'll have the potential to believe in Harry and Hermione as a couple. Yep. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the best praise I can I can offer a story if it it's convinced me. I mean, it, and I'm yeah. a pretty tough not to crack. So well, I read this after the Melissa and. Uh... Um, what's his face interview? Emerson. Emerson, thank you. Uh, after I guess that was after Half Blood Prince, yeah. and they're like, it, it, all the all the Harry Hermione shippers have been smacked down to the to the fiery depths of hell. And I read this after this, and you know, it makes you're right. It makes you believe that it it, it could be it could happen that the, that Harry and Hermione could get together at some point, mm-hmm. and that, that there's you know potential there. You're having to fight the way that canon. Um, uh, portrays that relationship. I guess when you look at the the two major canon ships, Harry and R- Hermione. I'm sorry, Harry and Ron. Harry and Ron. Yeah, the, the major. <laughs> ship. There's only one yep. possible combination left. You know, when you look at Ron and Hermione, they're op- they they show the opposite track. And when you look at Harry and Ginny, <laughs> I said Doctor uh-huh. Pepper come out my nose. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad I could offer that for you live here in real time. And when you look at you know Harry and Ginny, they show that sometimes each person has something that the other needs, and they, and they complement each other very well. I'm interested interested to see over the next few chapters what Harry and Hermione have to offer each other without mm-hmm. having you know circumstances like they were trapped on a planet together, marooned for all eternity, and they decided to extend the human race. Like, like what about the two of mm-hmm. them organically grows together? And I'm actually not convinced on that yet. So that's why the one thing about this that I really just didn't buy into was that this would have happened anyway. <laughs> like, she would have left Ron for Harry for some godforsaken reason. Like, right. I want to see what a, that reason is. There's a great dark moment I was reading at the end of chapter 8 when she goes and she, she looks at the picture of Ron and she's she's thinking about would they still be together if, if and yeah. she's got a picture of her sitting between them poisoning their friendship because she can't she can't stop loving Harry but she doesn't want to hurt Ron's feelings and she thinks for a second that maybe it's a good thing that Ron's dead. 
Yeah. And it's such a dark moment. And it's not like she, it's it, the way it's described. She doesn't even think it. It's like a voice within her thinks it and says it yeah. to her conscious. It's, it's like her the, mind whispered. Yeah. Yeah. And it's she has. A, and I just want to say too, the, just the moment too, where they come back to the dorm at Hogwarts and they find the notes for each of them. This is, you'll find him here at the edge of the, of the forbidden forest. And one of the things is that Harry, like Harry runs ahead of her cause they, they ride on broomsticks because apparently that's the mode of transport and they take the broom, Harry's broomstick and Harry runs ahead and you hear this like gut wrenching cry from Harry and he turns back and he grabs Hermione and he won't let her pass and he won't let her see Ron and to this day she is grateful because she didn't remember Ron that way she remembered him like in the picture and that's a very moving thing I mean I was in a like my my father passed away several years ago and he was actually on a respirator so my mother always remembers him on the respirator and I always remember I just always remember him when he was healthy and it's just you know different people so I think that Hermione would have had nightmares for the rest of her life seeing Ron that way and Harry probably does and Harry Mm -hmm. spared Hermione that so it just shows that just the depth of their relationship and without Ron present there they rely more and more and more and more and more on each other so it it just becomes Mm -hmm. so Uh, I don't know how much uh, Harry Hermione fic you've read Ryan Um, but there's always there's always Almost always, two things that have to happen in order for Harry and Hermione to get there. One, Ron either has to be a total bastard, mm-hmm. or he has to die. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other one is that Ginny has to be either just a total, <laughs> a total bitch, or she, uh, or something else has to happen. And but you have to get those two characters out of the way because of the natural. Whatever. This one didn't really do that. It was it, well, the, like the story was like Ginny and Harry just had no chemistry or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like that. Yeah, See, pretty much. It, it's a good way to get around the problem because well, it was before they ever had a chance to have chemistry, so yeah. you didn't have to, you know, explain away the chemistry that they may exactly. or may not have had. And then you just kill off Ron and you're good. And but I like that it, they killed off Ron and it wasn't the next day they're together. It was you know ten years later. It takes for them to finally. Yeah, you have and to. And even have that. then, they're still both mourning Ron. Like I had downloaded the um the Hermo- the Harmonian podcast. I swear to God, I was aiming for something else. <laughs> like no disrespect, but like are I, you I, are you serious? You actually downloaded it? I didn't mean There's to. There's a Harmonian I, podcast. No, it was. I weep for you. No, no, I no. I'm sorry. I know what it was. It was. I was trying to download a fan. This is when I was looking for Powerfic Weekly. I'm sorry. Well, I found it, so I didn't look for it. But I was looking for podcasts like Powerfic Weekly that just talked about fan fiction when I used to be obsessively compulsively reading it all the time. And I downloaded fiction. Cast, spellcast, and and another one, and it was like a it was like a teenage girl who reads Harmony. I guess she I didn't realize I don't Harmony think I, podcast was the Harmony podcast. I didn't know that at the time because I was so freaking new to the, to the fandom that I downloaded it in the in the, whatever the fic was. I got like a few paragraphs into it and I'm like, um, what? It was they were having a ball at Hogwarts and Hermione was waiting at the door and all of a sudden Harry walked down to her and they looked at each other and they instantly realized they were in love and they looked into the ballroom and Ron's dancing with Luna and like giving them the thumbs up and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's just like, you, you have, it has to be done very, 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 very. Yeah. No, it's just, yeah, Harmony podcast, don't get me started. But, um, so I think that's all we got. Anyone have anything final to throw out there? Um, I really, I know there's probably a lot of speculation for people who are really into canon ships to really read this fic because of the fact that it's the dreaded Harry Hermione ship. Yeah. But I, I would really, really, really impart on those people that this is a good story. And even if you have to, just like totally 
disconnect yourself from the characters as Harry and Hermione if you want, but the story in of itself is good, and that you're really kind of, it's kind of like not eating food because you don't think you're going to like it. Try the food. If you don't like it, then you don't like it, but uh, you're missing out big time if you're just not trying it because it's just Harry and Hermione. And something very important to keep in mind as well is if you're not reading it because of, you know, issues that, you know, arose in the fandom as a result of the subject matter. This was written well before the issues arose, so it's not influenced by them. Yeah. If that's fair to say. I'm not sure yeah, if that's, this, that's fair to say. Uh, this, I, I, I agree with Robert that it's it's definitely something you should read. Speaking as a, as a you know, uh, pretty much diehard uh, Harry Jenny shipper, uh, you can, even though this is not Harry Jenny, it's still, like you said, a very good story, and it's it's uh, a unique, it's a unique experience as far as fan fiction goes. It's It's got a lot of, you know, uh, singular elements, it's, it's um, and the pairing, of course, is not the standard pairing, so you get, you get something different than you get in your, in, you know, the Harry Jenny fic number 972. Yeah. Yeah. For me, and I know you guys. And I don't know if you guys will agree with me or not. Like this fic is just genuinely fun to read. Yep. It's one of the half dozen or so fics that I've actually reread. Usually don't do that. Except unless it's you know exceptional. You know. You really have to sell me. I lost a tire because of this fic. So. I <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't even the funny line. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. It's yeah, all about no the readings. Death. And you know what? If half of the fic were crap, which it's not so far, like if half of the fic were crap, but there was one really good scene in it, I'd still recommend it to people. Because you read so many fics that you have to pull something unique out of everything. <laughs> and this one's just incredibly unique. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I will remember the fact that Harry and Hermione lasted three hours always. <laughs> there's there's a there's a scene in the second uh, chapter, or second installment, which I won't... Uh, Dis- mm-hmm. uh, discussed. I don't want to spoil you, Ryan, but Robert will know what I'm talking about. It's the crossover scene, and uh, with Hermione and the other, uh, and the blonde, and they're fighting. You know what I'm talking about? In the second Possibly. one. Possibly. Maybe. Uh, that scene just annoyed the crap out of me. But aside from that, I love this. I love the fic. I mean, it's you know, every fic's got something annoying in it because nobody's. nobody's oh, I know what you're talking about. Never mind. Sorry, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, that's that's a really random. Crossover. Totally oh, I think. Like, uh, really? Never mind. Really? I think I, I know what you're talking about now. If you've read the uh, the thread about this fic, you've probably seen my comments about it. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, if you look past the you know little annoying moments and at the, at the whole story, the whole story is excellent and for the most part, and, and it's written very well. So anyway. we're gonna yeah. So um, and we're definitely gonna have um, Pronk, you're welcome back. We're gonna be doing this for four more episodes. We definitely okay. want to have you back and keep yakking about about Paradigm of Uncertainty. And Robert will be back in a couple of weeks. He's going to mm-hmm. Kansas to stalk Lady Chi, which just, to me sounds <laughs> like not really. Time. Stock Lady Chi, but yeah, I'll be in Kansas. But. Just drive by your house and beep at like 4.30 in the morning. You should, you should stalk Lady Chi just on general principle. If you're in Kansas, you know, what else is there to do, right? Or just Lots tell her that you're going to stalk her, so she's looking over her shoulder the entire time, I mean, just for sport. And yeah, not actually should, stalk her. Yeah, yeah exactly. Be yeah. Like, that's effective. That's he's, effective. In, he's in like Michigan. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So we're going to okay. move on. You can so- tell her that then. I will, t- I will send her a message right now. I'm actually typing the email as we go. So, okay. Just, so just to leave off there, so we are leaving off with um, with Hermione and Cho having, you know, you know, a, a hug moment. They're, you know, they, they've opened up and they're at their, you know, mahogany desks and they found <laughs> peace with the fact that although 
Cho wants to jump Hermione's Harry, 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 Harry Bones. They both have agreed that it will be Hermione who will be doing said jumping with her window open so anyone can watch if they wish to participate. And Mm -hmm. um, we're going to leave it there and we're going to come back next week and we're going to read, I believe we're finishing the first, are we going up to 15 next week? 10 to 15. We are going 10 to 15 next week so we're finishing Paradigm of Uncertainty Part 1 and then we're going to move on to the final two installments which will include Hermione and a blonde chick and I hear there is a scene that involves a gravestone that I may have several comments about. And uh, we will go. You, you didn't think I was going there, did you? And, no. Um, and we will uh, we will get to that when we get to that. So with that, uh, see you back next week and have a good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. So hold on to the wonder that goes Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. This is Sue Foot. A big deal was made of George freezing soup in ice cube trays. I found the following in a book called Stocking Up. When you find last year's garden in the back of the freezer as you are getting ready for this year's harvest, make soup stock. You can use the stock right then or slip it back into the freezer in its now condensed form for later soup making. Freeze in usable quantities, be it ice cubes or quart sizes. We freeze pesto and fresh herbs in ice cube trays. After they are frozen, we can put them in a freezer bag, then use what we need without having to thaw the entire batch. So freezing soup in ice cube trays is a good idea.